and welcome to the Orient Outlook podcast, sponsored by HF Plastering, with myself, Steve Nussbaum. And as always, I'm joined by my good friend, South Dan Chum, the bearded legend, the one and only, the daddy-o, Mr. Paul Levy. Thank you very much indeed. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is episode number 236. And thanks, as always, to everybody who tuned into last week's show. This week's show is going to be huge. There's an obvious statement right at the top of this show, but a slightly more somber one than perhaps what the perhaps that what we're used to, sorry, uh, as a good man lost his job on Saturday night and joining us shortly to discuss this in more detail is Leighton Orient Chairman Nigel Travis. We've got two games to review and uh, the week that was, which turned out to be quite a, one hell of a week, uh, not in a good way. Uh, and we've also lost uh, some more members of the Leighton Orient family, which we'll come on to in just a moment. We've also got an inordinate amount of uh, fan views as well. I don't think I, I think this this is going to take some beating because of what's gone on. So, without further ado, let's get this show underway and crack on. So, before we get Nigel on the podcast, we'll just give our sponsors a nod. So, AJF Plastering, as you will know, they're an Essex-based plastering and rendering company. They cover all aspects of domestic and commercial work, specialising in silicone colour render systems. And you must know this by now, they offer 15% off for all Leighton Orient fans and staff. So, if you want any more information on AJF Plastering, you can go and visit their website at www.ajfplastering.com. .co.uk, or you can email the team at outlook.com. They are also on all social media platforms, so you can find AJF Plastering on Facebook and on Instagram at AJF Plastering, or on Twitter, look for Big Ads LOFC, and that way you can get your queries and your questions over to Adam and the boys, and hopefully they can help you and get you a lovely 15% off. Unfortunately, Nigel, he's not international just yet, so you're going to have to hold any renovation projects until he is. So, Nigel, thank you very much indeed uh, for joining us um, on on the show this week. It's been quite a busy weekend, but we learned of the unfortunate uh, and sad passing of Glenn Roder tonight from a brain tumour at the very tender age of just 65. Yeah, um, well, good evening, guys. Uh, And... uh... Yeah, it is a sad way to start, and I think it puts everything into perspective. Uh, Glenn, if I had to name my two or three favourite players of late Orient, Glenn was way up there. I still think of him on the pitch, standing tall, as someone wrote on, I think, the forum. You know, the Passover, you know, he put his leg over the ball, sent the player, the opposing player the other way. What a classy player. I never actually met him, but everyone tells me what a classy guy he was. Very sad. And uh, and as someone wrote to me about an hour ago, uh, if you think of some of the great players of the 70s, we've lost Glenn Roder, Tony Grealish, and of course, uh, Laurie Cunningham. Uh, so very sad. And I also want to add that we've lost a lot of supporters in the last few weeks, which is incredibly sad and the club will be commemorating their passing when we can all get back into the Briar Group Stadium. But we're all one big family. We sometimes have arguments, disagreements, which I fully encourage because that's what a family does. And But we all have to come together and mourn those who've given so much to our wonderful club. 
Amen. That's lovely to hear. Yeah, lovely to hear. So they're very much in our thoughts um, and always will be. So let me take you back then, Nigel. It's been, you know, a very busy 24 hours um, for yourself. And obviously yesterday we played the game against Tranmere Rovers, lost the game 3-1 and Ross Embleton uh, parted ways with the O's as head coach. Yeah, uh, I mean, really sad. I mean, I know Ross is so pretty close to you guys and does a very good job when he comes on. Um, and as I commented on the interview I did this morning for our website, uh, Ross has done so much for Leighton Orient, so I'm really happy to talk about him. And he was like employee number two or three when we took over the club. Uh, and he, I didn't actually know him. Martin brought him in, as everyone knows. And Ross has done so much. It, but it's not only that, he's a classy person. I remember, as I think I've already said today, the day we all had to sit down around my dining room table here in Boston and tell the players about the passing of Justin. Ross took over. Uh, he communicated with the players. He showed the depth of personality he has, his feeling, his integrity. I can't say enough about Ross and what a quality individual he is. And I know that we gave him the job just over a year ago, and as, as people do, and it's quite appropriate they have views about it. Many disagreed, and Ross knew that as well as I did, because he's a, an Orient person through and through. But we really thought we were doing extremely well uh we got ourselves up into seventh this year after stabilizing last year uh and we as a board felt that this is a unique year it will never be repeated we had an opportunity to get pro promotion so we had to support ross and we targeted originally three players we bought in four in the end because we obviously had some injuries up front that's why we bought in tristan who by the way, I bet Tristan for the first time last week, and albeit uh, virtually. Uh, and he's obviously an Orient man through and through as well. So we supported him. But I think Ross knew very clearly from us that we were expecting good things when you bring in four quality players. And it just didn't work out. And it's, it's unfortunate because if you look at the last seven games, 21 points, we got three. If we'd got seven, we'd be very close to the playoffs still. And we'd be saying, what do we have to do to get there? But unfortunately, it didn't work out. Uh, we always have a succession plan, which can I just say, a few people said, I don't believe that on various sites today. Well, we do. We, I mean, I've had a lot of people, unfortunately, die working for me over the years. So I always have a succession plan for every major position uh, and you only have to think what's happened to us with Justin passing so suddenly so we had several names on our list external and internal if we should suddenly need to appoint someone Joby was always there we weren't sure he'd want to do it but we already kind of had an idea that he was moving that way by some discussions we'd had with him because we wanted to know whether he was going to continue playing after this year. That's why we were talking to him. And 
it gave us an indication that this could be his last year. So that's why we asked him and we put him through a, a pretty in-depth interview last night. We'll obviously come on to Joby shortly, but was it a kind of unanimous decision in a 4.45 once the full-time whistle went that it was just time for us to go? You couldn't see us picking up any point, like any further push for the playoffs after yesterday's result? Well, we, we, we talked to Ross over the last few weeks about expectations, what was needed. We also gave him some feedback about views that we have. I mean... Counter to what some people think, we don't tell him he should play 4-3-3, 4-4-2 or long ball, short ball. But we did, along with Martin, uh, give him some feedback about areas that we thought could be done differently. And that's highly appropriate. I mean, you know, you guys have worked in business. You do that all the time. You should be doing that all the time. And we gave him some feedback. And then we did take a view in the week both as a transfer committee, which is really the side that looks after the football side, and then as the board decide that if we if we didn't have a good result on Saturday, we would have to take action because every game that we lost points, we were further away from getting into the playoffs, which is the goal, and I'm sure we'll come on and talk about that in a minute. So when you say, was it unanimous? Well... I try and always make sure that our decisions are unanimous. If not, you keep arguing. But we were pretty clear on this. And uh, unfortunately, we had to put our plan into action when the game went against us yesterday. How difficult a decision was this to come to, uh, Nigel? Because obviously, as you say, Ross was employing number two or number three. And uh, you've said some very kind words about him. We know uh, across much of the fan base he's very highly regarded and I'm sure he was in the offices and upstairs and in the boardroom at, at Leighton Orient. So how difficult was it to come to this conclusion? Tough. Really tough. But at the end of the day, we're the custodians of Leighton Orient. I think Kent uses those words. Hmm. I mean, we're here because we're looking after Leighton Orient. Fine. We invest a lot of money into Leighton Orient. But we have to do the right thing for the club. And and tough decisions are what... I nearly said what we get paid for. We don't get paid anything, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Uh, and uh, But it's how you do it that is important. And I had a nice long chat with Ross this morning. I'm hoping to come over in April. I'm going to see him. We will make sure that Ross goes in the right direction and be supportive of whatever he does and that's that's what we have to do as a club because he's given so much to Leighton Orient so it's very tough but we have to support him and I'd encourage every single fan that when he does come back because he's always welcome that you thank him personally because very few people have done as much for Leighton Orient as Ross Embleton I couldn't agree more I couldn't agree more with what you said there. So, Ross Embleton was let go. So, was it a case then, as soon as the announcement was made about Ross, that the board said, right, Joby's our number one target, let's speak to him now. Was there anyone else you had in mind? Obviously, you've got Danny Sender, who's the assistant manager, who has been overlooked. You know, he's still assistant manager. Or was it just a case of, look, 
we want Joby to take this. Let's have a chat with Joby now. Okay, so let me go through the thinking in reverse order. I've read a, I've read a lot today, and I think before we started, I told you guys I've read everything. Hmm. Um, and and to just to state the obvious, I do read everything. Some people don't read social media. I I read it all because you can sometimes learn some good things, good or bad. Uh, so starting with the experience manager, we didn't think that was a good option for several reasons. But the biggest one is. Our goal is to get into the playoffs. I want to be absolutely clear. Our goal is to get into the playoffs and get from that promotion. We may fail, but I want to go down fighting to fail. This is a unique year where some teams are going to struggle to play all the games they've got to play, and we have to take advantage of it. We haven't so far, but we want to turn the corner and and take advantage of the fact that I think a lot of teams are really going to struggle towards the end of the year. So if you go out and get an experienced manager, to be fair to them, they have to assess the squad. So minimum, that's going to take, I would guess, three, three games. So we've got 16 games left. Three games out of 16 is a lot. So we couldn't afford that. Danny, we're very impressed with, but he's only been an assistant head coach for a relatively short time. Uh, and I think he will be a head coach. We're very impressed with him. Uh, everyone at the club's very impressed with him. Obviously, this year, again, been a unique year. I've not met him personally, but I've talked to him several times directly on video. Uh, we think he's a very important part of our coaching setup, and we decided it probably wasn't the year for him to do it. So then you say, well, why pick Joby? Well, I could list probably two pages of reasons. Uh, and you and some people will push back and say, well, Danny Sender's got more experience than him. True. But Joby, in my view, and this is totally unanimous, has unique, le- unique leadership characteristics. If any of you sat through the nearly two-hour interview last night, you would have been absolutely blown away. I mean, he's, he's thinking about the game, his determination to get us into the right position his his experience what he's learned from good coaches bad coaches and he's i'm sure had a lot in his time managers call them what you like and we'll talk about that as well because i know that's been talked about today but bottom line joby is a leader and we need leadership to get us out of this slump we're in we got into a great position we know we have the talent and I don't want to take words out of Joby's mouth, but he told me that he thinks we have top three, four talent. Uh, I'm not going to argue with that. And whether it's top three or four or not, we have top talent. And we've worked hard to get that talent in the building. So we want someone who's going to lead us through. And and Joby is a, a, a leader. And And he also, I think, has done more coaching than most people think. I mean, he, he would have his A license by now, but obviously, like most things, that's been held up. His assessment's been held up by COVID. Um, I think the other thing that we took into account, he has the total respect of the dressing room. Uh, you only have to watch him on the pitch yesterday, trying to lead the team on, get them out of where we were, which was difficult after we went two down. So there were so many reasons to give it to Joby. Uh 
to be honest, after talking to him several times, I was slightly surprised about his enthusiasm for it because he's obviously a very good media person as well. And I listen to talk sport over here. I don't see all the Sky stuff, but I listen to him. But I talked to him on other things. I had a conversation with him and some players last week about the salary cap. This is one hell of a bright individual. And uh, I know there's a lot being said about how you need experience. Well, I think we're in a position where you have to take a little bit of a gamble. Though After that interview last night, I was convinced it wasn't so much of a gamble. And go for it. And I want to underscore that we put it into, into an interim position because he may hate it at the end of it. We may not think it's the, he's the right person to go forward. And we, we will be honest with each other. And certainly Joby and Martin, Joby and I have always had a very open relationship. He hasn't always agreed with what I'm doing. And that's the way we run the club. So we will have a conversation about it. But I can tell you, I am so confident that he will turn the corner fairly quickly. Now, is he going to turn the corner in three days? Let's not get ahead of ourselves, guys. Grimsby are bottom, I know, but they recently made a change themselves. And back on the experienced manager point, they brought in Paul Hurst. He got a victory last week. He went, they went to Harrogate yesterday. He made a lot of changes. You should read what's going on on the Grimsby websites about how critical they are of him. So... I feel 100% about the decision we've made. And I think Joby is going to be a great choice. And, and we'll assess it as we go. Thank you, Nigel. That's, you've answered literally about five of our next questions in that one answer. So, no, no it's absolutely that's, that's why I read all the stuff. Yeah. Well, we didn't go out to, to the fan base for questions, to be honest with you. But uh, one of the other sort of quick questions was when, uh, obviously, the, the announcement about Ross was made at about half past five last night. So, obviously, straight after the match last night, I'm assuming Martin or whoever had pulled him to one side and said, look, we, we're going to put an end to this now. So when, when was Joby first approached about this? Uh, after the game. Okay. And uh, the interview panel, was just was that just yourself and Martin? I'm just no, sort of no, trying no, to gather no, some no, insight no. In, into sort of uh, the process. We have, we have the transfer committee, which uh, I think is well known as Martin. When we talk about players, it's normally the, the head coach, now manager. Let's talk about that in a minute. Um, and it's Kent, it's Matt, and me. So, okay. I mean, we had, we had the Zoom call, and it was Joby in my left-hand corner and everyone else on there. You know how it works on Zoom. Uh, and, uh, I mean, in many ways, it's a difficult interview to do. I mean, I do lots of interviews, and I've recently been hiring some board members for various companies. And most people struggle with more than two. He had all of us to put up with, so it was an even more difficult situation. Let me just talk about why he's called uh, interim manager. Um, that was something that came out of the discussion. Joby felt that that's the way he wanted to do it. He wanted to focus on thinking about the team, how the team was set up, and there is a lot of coaching that has to be done at the training ground. He felt it was better to just stand back a bit, take a broader perspective, not have to think about 
I'm not going to say this as a coach myself, getting the cones out there, getting the balls out there, setting it all up. He wanted to stand back, probably more like Justin did. I know we call Justin head coach, but Justin was more of a manager. So as we did, as our discussion went on, we felt that that was a better title, and much more of the coaching would be left to Danny, uh, Dean, and Matt. And if it doesn't work with Joe because he's got the interim title, does that mean that he will just roll back to a coach, or does does that would that mean that he would leave Orient? Um, we haven't talked about that. I mean. We're expecting this to be a success. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't work out, we'll sit down with Joby and decide what's best best for him. I mean, I know we get accused of being too close to people and doing it inside and, you know, not looking outside and all that stuff. I mean, Joby has done unbelievable things for us. As you, as I've told you before, I thought when he was here under the previous regime, it, he was treated appallingly. Mm-hmm. But, but Joby... Is a class act. I'm sure we will all treat Joby accordingly and appropriately if and when that happens. But let's be positive. I want I want everyone to think about going for it, and that means some risk. You know, uh, we're going to have a game. I'm sure where we're one-one or something, and Joby decides to change it in the 80th minute to go for it to try and get three points rather than one. And we should encourage him to do that because we have a chance to get back in the playoffs. And and I think the whole fan base, I want them to get behind him. Obviously, you can't go to the stadium, but as I keep saying, who knows? If we get in the playoffs, the Bray Group Stadium could be rocking for at least one game. So let's, that, that, let's focus on that. I mean, we... We have improved over last year. I know it doesn't look like it after the last seven games. So we've improved every year. We're disappointed in being in 14th as of whatever today's date is, February 28th, I think. Uh, we should be a lot further up the table. We're determined to get there. And we've got to go for it. But the point is we're going to take some risks. And for those who think we're not ambitious, well, I mean... I'm putting my money in. Kent's put some money on the line to try and get us into the promotion area. You know, we're we're doing everything we can to get there. And anyone who says we're not ambitious, I think they are deluding themselves and recognise that we've invested more money this year than was planned because of the coronavirus. And we're going through the whole investor process right now. And I am shocked how positive people are about the plans for the club and I probably say this every time I come on but I remain so optimistic about our future and I think I'm actually getting into a position where I think we can go further as a club than we envisaged when we bought it Wow So so Joby had his interview yesterday, was it a case of you liked what he had to say and it was just a straight offer of the job immediately or was it kind of let him sleep on it go back to him this morning and see if he accepts yeah it wasn't quite as black and white Steve uh it was you know we had the discussion we said okay let's go away Martin please talk to Joby in the morning um and decide where we stand so 
it, it was more of a smooth process. But we were all convinced Joby was the guy last night. You couldn't, you could not be anything other than convinced after sitting through the interview. Was there a temptation then to not go with the in, interim then? Because I'm aware of how many interviews you've done, and obviously he's an interim manager. If he exceeded your expectations that much, was there a temptation to go, what the hell, not interim, we'll just get him on a permanent contract as, as manager? No. Because obviously no. he's interim now, so that so interim can be whatever anyone makes of it. And we had a few questions about interim. Obviously, how long is the interim period? Is it three games? Is it three weeks? Is it three months? Obviously, Ross was interim when his first spell, which was a couple of months. So let, let, I guess let's talk about interim. What, what, what does interim mean? I think interim means whatever we think it should be between Joby and us. I mean, if after four games he doesn't like it and we don't like what's happening, we'll talk to him. If it's after six games, seven games, the same. Uh, I'd love to believe we're... We're struggling for promotion at the end of the season. And um, who knows? We may have to go to the merry place called Salford for the final game of the season. Uh, needing a point, three points or whatever. I mean, that would be interesting, wouldn't it? After the history of the two clubs. Uh, so it will be whatever it is. Uh, we, we felt that a major part of the reason we called it interim is Joby is such a talented guy. He needs to decide what he wants to do with his life. And this is the perfect opportunity to see whether he likes being a manager. So I can't say anything clearer than we will continue to talk and decide and see how it's going. Earlier in one of your uh, brilliant answers, Nigel, you mentioned that he has the support of the dressing room. I recall somebody, uh, I can't remember who it was, saying on this podcast about senior members of the first team being having discussed about Ross becoming manager and everybody was fully supportive and the dressing room was behind him. Has, were, were any of the first team approached about Joby in, in the same way on this, on this occasion? Not, not formally, but okay. we, we have a, we're pretty clued in through various sources as to what goes on. I mean, you know, you guys know our former management. I mean, we talk to them regularly. This is not like most clubs. Most clubs, the players are kind of put on one side, the manager looks after them, and they they don't get entwined with the rest of the club. We have employee meetings as though it was one of the companies that you guys are involved with every two weeks. Uh, you know, all the new players, I've talked to them a lot. So, so we have very good contact and I think we have a pretty good feel of what's going on. And, by the way, that's no different from any other organisation. Ross was obviously going to play a pivotal part in deciding what players stay at the club in the summer and what players go due to a lot of contracts expiring. So we, I think, as we've got you, we can't really not ask you about player contracts. So what happens now? Is it just going to be Martin Ling's call? Or will Joby now get a shout within player contracts? OK, so we have a list of players that we want to put onto new contracts. Um, we started offering contracts well before Christmas. The 
thing got held up because of the arbitration between the PFA over the salary cap. I think that is past us now. Uh, we had a meeting midweek of our so-called transfer committee. We agreed that, that certain actions on certain players. Uh, I was actually going to talk personally to a couple of players today. We put that off to Wednesday because of the events of the weekend. Uh, I'm confident that we will get some players over the line in the next week or two. But we know exactly who's who we want to stay. The players that we've still got to make a judgment about. And to answer your last question, obviously Joby will have a say in it. And again, I think sometimes people think we run things differently. When we have a transfer committee, it's not like Martin says, right, here's the list. And we rubber stamp it. We grill him. We we criticise choices. We make comments about other options, etc. It's it, it's a process where we all have to agree. And Ross agreed to all the four that we brought in, and and the other members, Kent and Matt and myself, the same. I mean. We, if, if, if we didn't agree, we'd be sitting there for two hours until we did agree. So Joby will obviously be asked for his opinion and already has. And uh, that's the way it works. I mean, th- let's be clear. The goal is to get us into League One as soon as possible. And we become a bit more aggressive than we've been in the past because we believe we've got the talent of the club now. And if we don't make it this year, we have to make it next year. And uh, and then once we're in League One, we'll decide what we do then. But as I said, I'm becoming slightly more ambitious. And I can't tell you, guys, how positively our discussion with investors has been. I mean, they think we're doing some pretty amazing stuff on a whole range of angles, not just the playing side. Uh, And I think the only disappointment I have is that all the comments I've read today, no one has mentioned how difficult it is to run a football club in COVID. I mean, it's as though it doesn't exist. But anyway, that's life. (laughs) You mentioned Martin Ling. Obviously, you said you've been reading stuff today. Martin Ling has come in for quite a lot of criticism today. We obviously asked Kent the question, I think three weeks ago, when we had him on the podcast about the director of football role. So I guess we'll ask you the same question. Are you happy with the setup at the club, with having a director of football? And are you happy with Martin Ling in his current role? OK, well, I'm not going to do a performance appraisal on the podcast, <laughs> for a start. Uh, Martin has his strengths and weaknesses, like us all, and we communicate that. So let, let me say why we have the director of football role. We're in America, basically. And, and by the way, this year we've been even more distant because it's now uh, exactly a year today since I was last at the club. Um, so, thank God I've had people like Danny and Martin reporting to me. And I want to call out Matt Porter has taken on a great role in the last few months because he's there. He's been to just about every game and we've had to rely on him to to do things that 
Kent and I would normally have done. Uh, as I say, I'm hoping to come back in April. But the director of football role isn't just about the first team. It's about, obviously, the academy. It's about the overseas camps, the college programs, all of which are absolutely critical to the future of Lake Norian Football Club. Martin is actually going to take on a greater role involved in women's football. Uh, so it's, it's a much bigger role than most people think. And, and the people who say we don't need a director of football, I think just don't understand the practicality of having to deal with quite a complex setup in a fast moving setup. I mean, one thing I've learned from football, I thought I'd, I thought fast food was really quick and moving and you have to make decisions quickly. Nothing is like football. I mean, you, you know, you lose a game against Tranmere yesterday, you have to turn around and think about how you're going to be the Grimsby on Tuesday. Mm. Yeah, you don't get a moment's breath at the moment, unfortunately, with Saturday-Tuesday games coming thick and fast for the next few weeks. N- Nigel, just before we let you go, and we appreciate your, your, your time and, and giving us such comprehensive views on everything, we appreciate some of the questions that we've asked are a little bit difficult and challenging, but thank you for for being so candid with us. Um, just the final question that we have really, we saw, uh, or someone uh, I saw on LinkedIn, that Academy Manager Lewis Spencer uh, has left. And just wondered if you were able to to comment on that because the club haven't officially done so yet. So I just wondered if you would be able to share any sort of thoughts and views on, on that and perhaps, you know, what, what's happening with, with the Academy. Well, uh, first, there's nothing happening with the academy except getting stronger. Uh, we had a full discussion about the academy like two weeks ago, and we think in the top uh, top age groups, which I think may be wrong, it's like 15 to 18, we think we have 13 players of great potential. Um, we obviously had a blip in the academy just over two years ago when we told everyone that if we stayed in the National League, the academy would have to be changed dramatically. So we lost some players as a result of that. So we've had to restock. That's a dreadful term, but you know what I mean. Uh, and, 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 and the academy, I think, is in very good shape and is going to get better. And some of the things we're talking about with new investors, I think it's going to get even better again. But, you know, at this time of year, you have to sit down and talk to people. And Martin and Lewis came to the conclusion that uh, they were going to go in different directions. Um, I'm sure it's going to get announced very shortly. Um, And I didn't know it hadn't, but uh, that is true. Cool. So before we let you go, Nigel, a very big week of football coming up for the O. So JB McEnough takes his, his charge of his first game as interim manager on Tuesday away to Grimsby. That's followed up with a tough away game away at Exeter City, who I think are in eighth place, just flirting with the playoffs. So what is your message then to the Orient fans tonight? Simple. Get right behind Jovi. Uh we are going to go for it. Put up with risk. Risk means exactly the four letters. It means you're going to go for it. But when you go for it, 
sometimes it means you suddenly get an extra goal that you were hoping to get. Sometimes you'll make a mistake because you leave yourself open at the back or something like that. So the goal is to get into the playoffs and we're going to go down dying or fight. No, go down fighting. That's the correct term. <laughs> go down really fighting to, to get there. And, and that doesn't mean two-footed tackles. But anyway, uh, we're going to go for it because we're in a position that's pretty comfortable in the middle of the table. I think all we can do, and we owe it to the fans who've been unbelievably loyal this year, to try and make the last third of the season entertaining and successful. And I truly believe, and the ball truly believes, Joby is that guy to lead us through all that. Thank you very much indeed, Nigel. That's brilliant. We really appreciate you taking the time to speak to us this afternoon, your time, this evening, our time. And, um, you know, personally speaking, right behind the club, you make decisions with information and intelligence that we don't have and I don't have. So complete faith and trust in you. So thank you very much indeed. Thanks for everything that you and the board are doing. And, uh, yeah, absolutely, I'll be buying my pass on Tuesday night. Well, thank you. And thanks to all our fans again. I mean, we we tried to thank them the other night with a season car special, uh, and uh, up the O's. Up the O's, very kind. All the best, Nigel. Nigel. Take care. Thank you. Bye. Bye. So that was O's chairman Nigel Travis. What a remarkable! I just don't know. Again, I only support one club, so I can't speak of other clubs. But there can't be many other football chairmen coming. Onto fan run podcasts less than twenty four hours well twenty four hours after a manager a manager leaves an interim manager comes in and is so open and honest and I can only commend Nigel Travis for coming on this podcast this evening amazing hundred percent spot on and anybody I saw some I saw in one of our WhatsApp groups I saw somebody um, post a screenshot of something that someone has said in the in the forum and it just absolutely beggars belief that some people hold the views and opinions that they do. I just don't understand. They must be so angry in other aspects of their life or something else must be broken for them to behave and think in in a certain way. You know, Nigel's come out often enough and and spoken about Martin and and, and, um, Kent has as well. And I don't understand people that are going on about Martin in a negative way. The guy's played for us and done well with us. He's managed us and done well with us. And he helped us get back up off the ground when we were literally dust in the ground um, in, in, in the footballing world. And whilst you might not agree with everything the guy's done, at the end of the day, he's still trying his best to do his best for the club. And it, it, just some of the vitriol aimed at him and, and, and others and Ross over the last few weeks and months has just been absolutely embarrassing at times, I think, actually. And shameful, I think, is probably the most important word. I think I said this two episodes ago, two, three, four, I think I had a little bit of a rant. And I don't want this to be another one. But, I mean, how many more times can Nigel come out and, and back who he's got around him and... and and put their processes and procedures out there in the open for everybody to know and to to understand. And how many other clubs, like you say, I don't support another club, so I don't know what Grimsby have done about their appointment. I don't know what Oldham did about theirs, or or Tranmere, actually more relevant and recently, did about their caretaker duo and so on and so forth. So it's difficult to know, but I, I think you'd have to go a long way 
to try and find a, a, a board and a group of owners who are as communicative, number one, and as open and candid as they are with us fans. Yeah, I absolutely agree. So a massive thank you from us 100%. to Nigel Travis and to Luke and Dan um, for sorting out that interview. We hope you found it useful. I think we've, we asked some challenging questions and he didn't shirk away from anything. No. And we got some, some great answers not. there. So let's crack on in. So we'll start with A, O, B. We're going to do this like a normal episode. But obviously, so much has happened. We're going to take less of a focus on the matches. And obviously, we want to pay tribute to the third outlooker, uh, Ross Embleton, who many of you know we have a great relationship with, but you know, unfortunately, lost his job yesterday. Um, so a bit of a different episode, a bit longer, I would say. So stick with us. We've had Nigel Travis. We've got lots more coming up. So AOB, and we mentioned it in Nigel's interview, but we wish Academy Manager Lewis Spencer the best of luck. He's left the O's after four years at the club, so we wish him all the best. So good luck to Lewis. Absolutely, and thanks for everything you've done, Lewis. Um, O's fan Don Hales sadly passed away earlier this week. I personally didn't know Don, but whenever we hear about the passing of uh, one of the Orient family, we um, we feel it just as much as anybody who did know them. It's always a sad thing. We're not a massive family, but I think we are fairly close. So uh, that's... Um, that's a bit of sad news, and and as we mentioned earlier, Glenn Roder sadly passed away earlier today at the age of sixty five. He had uh, a brain tumor and had been battling that for some time. I never got to see him play, um, but those that did, as Nigel alluded to, did the step over, which is what I think Nigel was describing, and sent the player the wrong way. Um, clearly, he was a, a pioneer. I I mainly remember him as being the manager of West Ham and quite derided at that time by West Ham fans. I think. Unfortunately, yeah, you know, what they say once a no, always a no. Yes. So, you know, top man Glenn, like Nigel said, one of the top three defenders he remembers. And from just from the tweet we put out earlier today, over 100 likes straight away just tells you, yeah. you know, the esteem that Glenn Rode has held up. And so, rest in peace to Glenn and rest in peace to Don. So, let's go through the, the week that was a busy week, two fixtures, a managerial casualty, and a managerial. Appointment. Let's start on Coulson Monday, the 22nd of February. Quiet day at the club. No news to report as episode 235 was taking your airwaves by storm. Thank you to everyone who listens and continues to listen. I mean, people listen from all over the world. We're lucky enough to get some amazing stats. There's literally people listening in countries that I've never heard of, which is just <laughs> insane to me. So thank you to everyone who listens and continues to listen to the Orient Outlook podcast. 100%. Wherever you are listening to us in the world, we appreciate it. So we're going to move on to Tahue Tuesday, the 23rd of February. It was Bradford City away was the main event. The team lined up with Lawrence Vigoru in goal, Akinola, Thompson, Happy and Brophy at the back four. Midfield of Cissé, McEnough and Freeman. Kemp, Johnson and Wilkinson were the front three. Substitutes were Sam Sargent, Wooderson, Coulson, Turley, Young, Dayton and Abrahams. That meant it was the same lineup and bench as the previous Saturday's game, which was the game against Port Vale, which we drew one all. Mr. Levy, what were your views on the Bradford team? Well, you know me, I do like an unchanged team. Uh, this is obviously me writing at the time. I hope we can get the result we need today, but Bradford will be very strong opponents. Ross either clearly believes that this is the lineup that can get a result, or unfortunately he's being stubborn and not changing, hoping it will get a result. 
for me, when I saw that lineup, there were no real surprises there based on injuries and who was available and who wasn't available. Yeah. So lots of tweets came in when that team was announced at Bradford. Billy Herring, 0-3. So not surprised, but disappointed we aren't even trying something different. I fear Ross's inflexibility is going to cost him his job. And Graham G, 1484-3952 said, In Ross we trust with the injuries and suspensions, fine with me. Liam, NUFC 98. So I'm not really surprised, but against Paul Bauer, there wasn't much creativity, so why not change something for this game? Paul Ravens 39 said, I'd like to say I'm surprised, but I'm really not. How can we have watched the game on how can he have watched the game on Saturday where we were dire and decide to stick with the same team? It's insane. The trouble is his post-match comments suggest he thought we played well on Saturday, and we clearly didn't. Rich Den M said Albert Einstein once said the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Expecting a different result. 4 3 3, briefly left back. Cissé starts again. Alan Reeves, too, said irrelevant who starts and what formation or in play now. It's all about the tempo and the attempt or lack of to win a match. 100% the issue is how the team are being asked to play. Personnel is now completely irrelevant. And the final tweet when the team was announced that came from Len Chinchinwan, who said the same team as Saturday. I hope the lessons have been well and truly learned. The best we have to offer. So we're going to go through this match in minute detail, but obviously we still want to cover the week and lead up to the events that happened yesterday. So the match kicked off with Bradford looking to continue their excellent run of form in their first match since the full-time appointment of new managers, Mark Truman and Connor Sellers, with the O's looking for their first win in six matches. And Danny Rowe had an effort on the 16th minute from distance, which was no problem for Lawrence Vigarou. And two minutes later, Connor Wilkinson had a shot blocked before Gareth Evans had a shot from distance saved by Vigorous. So it seemed like we started quite brightly. As a half an hour, Mark. I think Dan Kemp was the danger man. He was the one who you thought would break the deadlock if it was to happen. He almost opened the scoring. Joby drove forward, passed to Kemp, who came off the left wing, got a decent angle actually, tried to curl a shot in with the right foot. It bent just wide of the far post. Unlucky there from Kemp. I think... From the angle that I've seen it, it might look better than it was. I, I think it went quite wide, but from the angle I've seen it, it it's very difficult to, to really judge. But, you know, Kesara Sara. Um, 38 minutes on the clock, and Connor Wilkinson was brought down about 25 yards from goal by Levi Sutton. He got shown a yellow card, and Connor's free kick, unfortunately, didn't go any further than the wall. And from the resulting passage of play, we won another free kick in a good position. Unfortunately, Dan Kemp's free kick hit the wall. Um, and that went out for a corner. Yeah, no further action to talk about in the first half. One minute of added time was played. The teams went in at 0-0. So the second half kicked off. No subs for the O's, and Bradford should have taken the lead in the 47th minute. Just a long kick from the keeper. Somehow missed both Thompson and Happy. Danny Rowe was in from very close range, just smacked the ball at Lawrence Vigoro, who stood tall and a big let off there for the O's. Yeah, absolutely agree. How has he got into that position, though, Steve? I don't quite understand how he's several yards ahead of both of the defenders, Thompson and Happy, without actually being offside. I mean, the, the, the camera angle doesn't allow you to see that. No, neither of the central defenders were close to him. Luckily, by the time Rowe makes contact with the ball, Vigarou had come out to close the angle down, so the ball was still at a height that wasn't smack your laces through it. So fortunately... 
thanks to some good goalkeeping from Lawrence Vigarou, he uh, he saved us uh, a bit there. And there wasn't really much to talk about until the 62nd minute when Connor Wilkinson won a free kick on the edge of the box. Again, a reoccurring theme here. His free kick ended up hitting the wall and it came to nothing. Yeah, really, really disappointing. The 66th minute, a big, big save from Lawrence Vigarou as Callum Cook found Ollie Crankshaw with a first-time pass. Crankshaw cut inside his man, lashed the ball towards the front post, but Vigarou done very well to make the save with his legs, balling out for a corner. And I've got to say, not for the first time this season, great save, Vigarou. Top, top save. Anyone who doesn't think that our keeper has kept us in games or earned us points along the way needs their heads checking. Um, 70 minute mark then, Joby McEnough was fouled or it won another free kick, which again didn't get past the wall. So that's the first yeah, one. second minute, say gets himself booked, uh, halting a Bradford counter attack. 73rd minute, Bradford had a free kick, swung in from the left, and Andy Cook, who had been in good form prior to this game, he headed wide. First sub for the O's in the 75th minute, Dan Kemp came off for Tristan Abrahams. Yeah, 80th minute then, game changer, as Bradford were awarded a penalty after Crankshaw miscontrolled the ball in the area, kind of shot into the ground, the ball looked up in the air, he got goal side of Adam Thompson, they both went down, and the referee pointed to the spot. I think for me, once he's goal side of Thompson and they both go down, the ref's always given a penalty. Yeah, I mean, whether it's a foul on, whether you think it's a foul or not, or whether Thompson feel it, feels it, he gave away a foul or not, he's forced the referee into making a decision and the referee's going to always go with the attacking player in that in that moment. I think it was a penalty. As a side note, they play music after they score. I wasn't a big fan of their song choice, though. What was it? Oh, I knew you was going to ask me that and I can't remember now. Um, <laughs> can't remember. Brilliant. So, while you think about what song it was, Upstepped Callum Cook <laughs> smashes penalty pass a dive in Lawrence Vigarou to make it 1-0 to Bradford City an excellent penalty Vigarou was close but the pace and the power on the ball beat him excellent penalty though unfortunately for us yeah I agree with you there was a big penalty shout in the 83rd minute Tristan Abrahams was brought down after a scuffed volley the referee wasn't having any of it and we didn't get a penalty on that occasion it looked it to me. I've only seen it back on the close, closer look highlights, um, which is from behind the goal. And boy, does Tristan take an elbow to the face. Yeah. Wasn't given, though. 88th yeah. minute, James Dayton came on for Usise. And four minutes of added time were played, but there were no further chances of note as the O's poor run of form continued. Bradford took all three points thanks to their earlier penalty as they continued their impressive turnaround by beating the O's 1-0. Ross Embleton said after the game, he said, I think there's a lot being made of my formations at the moment and that's understandable when you're not winning games. When we were winning games, no one seemed to question it. Well, that's a lie. All people always seem to question my formations because it's me picking them and I'm fine with that. Some people have always had a negative viewpoint on the way that my team set out to play, but I could play one at the back. Then, if we win or lose, that's actually what dictates people's opinion. So, a bit of a frustrated Ross Embleton there. Uh, I think that that was very apparent uh, in the yeah, interview, seemed, which is yeah, he's very YouTube kind channel. of not happy. He wasn't happy with the ref over the penalty incident, yeah. Um, and yeah, he he wasn't happy with you know people challenging his formation. So that saw us drop a place in the league that lost as we dropped down to twelve. Play twenty nine games, one eleven. Drawn six, lost 12, goal difference still pretty healthy with plus four, and on 39 points. So, 
Mr. Levy, your views, and remember, everyone listening, these are all written down at the time of the match. Yes, absolutely. Well, I was disappointed with the result, although I didn't expect us to win at the league's most informed team. I don't think really either side can claim they played particularly well. Uh, I can take losing, I've always said this, I can take losing if we've played well and been unlucky, but we haven't been particularly. One goal in six games, four in eight for the whole of 2021. Um, same side, same tactics, no goals scored, one conceded. It was a tight game, one goal was really... You could tell as the game went on that one goal was going to be the deciding factor. And soon after Dan Kemp went off, we conceded. So I don't know I don't know if that's anything to read into. I was a bit frustrated at the late sub of bringing on Tristan Abrahams and, and the late formation change. And you know, what's going on with our free kick? How are we doing five out of the six or six free kicks out of seven, whatever it was, not even getting past the wall? I mean, you can't... You can't hold Ross accountable for, for that kind of thing. That's just poor from the players. And I think also what we are forgetting, while the buck does stop with Ross, or did stop with Ross at the time, the players have to take responsibility as well. Um, there's simple basic mistakes that were being made that, um, that that he wasn't responsible for. And too many players having an off day. I remember Russell Slade said, you can have one or two, three at the very most having an off day, but the others have to be at 100%. And we're just not even getting any of the 11 at 100%. Maybe Lawrence Vigor is an exception, maybe Tunji, um, but but it's not acceptable. Um, not a single shot on target the whole game. Not a single shot, which is really... like what What's what's worked on? Surely as a group of players, someone's got to take a, a shot at the goal and work the keeper. And it's all getting quite frustrating. Groundhog Day is the other note that I made. And I wrote at the time, I'm still a, and I still am a supporter of Ross's. I do think he's the right man for the job, but he's just got to adapt, make changes in the game and play a better system for the personnel that we had because I don't think what was being played worked as well. And that's kind of where I ended it, really. OK, I've not read this back since Tuesday, so it's going to be interesting. So mm. I, I make notes, really poor. Again, I was a bit like you. I didn't understand how a professional football team in the same division you didn't have, we didn't have a shot on target against them. I was really yeah. peeved off by that. Like you, I don't care if we lose. I'm pretty used to it as an Orient fan. I don't mind losing at all. But when you haven't had a shot all game, tested their keeper, or had a shot on target, should I say, yeah. just felt really kind of drowned by it all. Every time we see the lineups, and we said it on the Bradford lineup, you're thinking, that pretty good team, that. that's probably the best we've got. Let's go for it. Mm. And then you see miserable drag performances. And they always fail to deliver. I think, you know, no real positives from that game. The free kicks were awful, I think, to put it quite bluntly. To have six, I think it was six free kicks in decent positions and not have any beat the first man. It's like high school football. It's like mm. I'm back, you know, talking about Bill High School. And I ended the notes by just saying, Phil Rocks is under real pressure now. And I thought his post-match interview, like we already said, was only going to bring more pressure on him for what he said. And I ended by saying, I don't know if he can pull this one back. So those were our views. Very, very important to remember here that we've got lots of fan views coming up, lots of your views, which we absolutely love coming in. And just because we read them does not mean we agree with them. We put as many in as we can for balance and because we love having the you know, majority of the fan base who are on social media coming into us at Orient Outlook and giving us their views. Orient Joe tweeted us, a dreadful performance, never looked like scoring. This is just so predictable and boring. Jack LOFC said he's still a Ross in, but has to change it up at this point. It's getting embarrassing. 1965 AC, 1881. What's what handles? It yeah. generally looks solid at the back. Going forward, though, 
utterly toothless, not shot on target, one goal in six games, says it all. Bendy Bollard said the game was there for, for the winning, but we looked like we were scared to take games by the scruff of the next Saturday. Looks huge, now we need to win. John W999 says, I've tried to be optimistic about Ross, but one goal in six games, absolutely shocking. No plan B. He's dogmatic about sticking to the same formation and it will lead to him losing his job. I have nothing positive to say. Simon underscore J underscore Mills said, Brophy needs to play on the wing. Brophy needs to play on the wing. Brophy <laughs> needs to play on the wing. And he finally ends his tweet by saying, Brophy needs to play on the wing. Richie J. Bourne said that was really, really poor. As an attacking lineup, we look toothless. Totally different from the start of the season. Kemp's delivery compared to JMD, just not good enough. Have we won with the new players? Daniel Gosh. underscore D44 said, fed up with it all. Fed up with every game being the same. Fed up with the same failed formation. Fed up with no goals. Fed up with the same boring football. Fed up with the excuses. Fed up with lo- fed up losing to bang average teams. Fed up with shocking set pieces. I think Dan's a bit fed up, Steve. He's a bit fed up. I think we all were, really. I think he's right. I think that's... I think that that tweet sums it up really well. It was just the same old issues and he came away, like, not enjoying the game because that's what I kind of said over the last couple of pods. Like, again, don't mind losing, but when you're not enjoying it and you're watching it in your room or, like, on the TV, it's just not not the same. It's harder Mm. to shake off. David... Sears, Freese, utterly useless. We created absolutely nothing. Didn't test their keeper once. Every game, exactly the same. Slow build-up, boring. Nothing enjoyable about watching this side at the moment. Not going to win games if you can't score goals. Paul Staines, 86, said, just poor. No wonder why loads of people are getting annoyed with the management setup. Why try the same thing and expect a different result? Stroud Bruno, so their only game plan seems to be to try to keep things fairly tight and just hope someone creates a moment of magic to nick us a result. I can accept that if we're playing a far superior side, but it seems to be our default strategy. At some point, we need to take control. Bob1 Watson said, mid-table, no threat of relegation. We're not Salford. It's not always going to be easy. I'll still back the coaching staff and the team. I speak that's the problem is a one nil defeat at Bradford isn't the end of the world alone. However, when you can't beat a diabolical Colchester and Port Vale at home, it becomes a cumulative disaster. We could have played all night and not scored. Took our only dangerous player off. And whether you like Ross or not, you have to admit he's either stubborn or incompetent. Keeps doing exactly the same thing, but expects something different. Haven't had a decent performance with him in the dugout since December. Sorry, he's lost it. Miles out of his depth. It's painful. Kevin Cowlin tweeted in. Too predictable, lacking passion, bravery and creativity. No shots on target at all, there can be no excuse. It's simple, go 4-4-2, play two wide players with pace, stick Wilco up top with DJ and show some attacking intent. Ping enough balls into the box and we'll score goals. When people like Kevin Cowan yes. start giving you tweets like that, you know there's a problem. Yes, because 100%. He's one of the most positive Orient fans. Out there, Kieran Derry Sevens to ditch this formation. Teams are figuring out how we play. Subs not being made until late on in the game. Not giving players long enough to get into the game. If you want to chase for the playoffs, you can't gun runs of winning a few games and losing and drawing as we are. Adam P. Holmes tweeted in, said, think the players need to take on a bit of responsibility for the poor performances. Spot on. Absolutely agree with this tweet. Every free kick was fired straight into the ball and our corners were very poor as usual. Yeah, I think it was raised last week, wasn't it, Steve, about you know Danny Sender, you know, when he first came in, it was something that we made quite a bit of effort on and we saw a lot of improvement 
from our corners and set piece routines, but it doesn't seem to be there anymore. No, especially after this game, well, like yeah. we said, multiple opportunities to put the ball in really didn't. Kay Leontiev said the players look lost to me. No direction, leadership, style, identity, nothing. They're not even performances now. And this, for me, this next one from Lewis Fear underscores a great tweet. We wasn't great. Uh, we wasn't great, no, but people calling for Ross's head are silly. People acting like we're Chelsea. Let's sack a manager for a few poor results. Stop moaning and let them crack on. Talks of falling into the National League. Behave, will you? That could have been one of your tweets, mate. That Honestly, was a Lewis Fear. I'd have been. that down the Super Row 1881 any day of the week. It's my pseudonym <laughs> account. Final wording on this one goes to Masters at James D. Six without a win, just one goal in that time. A reticence of refusal to change formation and a series of poor performances. Ross has been backed in the window, but it's not working. There doesn't seem to be a plan B and it's costing us. I only see one conclusion, I'm afraid. So those were all tweets that came into us at Orient Outlook. And at this point, you could tell the tide had turned. There were still yeah. a few tweets to keep Ross. It wasn't all doom and gloom and Ross out but you can tell from that majority were starting to think that Ross maybe not the right person now to lead the charge forwards but I think also a lot of people unanimous that things are not working as they are and it needs to change and that's yeah. I think the underlying tone there uh, so that that concludes that aspect of views uh, the desi- at Design Cadby Prediction League update Design Cadby specialised in company branding advertising print, digital and logo design with all Orient fans getting a 15% discount. You can find James on social media at Design Cadby. Uh, that's Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can also email James now, hello at jamescadby.com. So well done to Dan Alton 2590 Paul Skinner 88 and Strop underscore O who correctly predicted 1-0. So you all get three points and we'll do a top of the prediction league table roundup at the end of today's show. So that concludes Bradford away on Tuesday night. Certainly does. So Wednesday, the 24th of February, nothing to report at the club apart from a happy birthday, happy 22nd birthday to young Miles Judd, currently on loan at Barnet. But obviously, new manager, could he get called back? I guess time will tell. Same for Jordan Maguire Drew is, you know, maybe they'll get called back to, to challenge for first in place if, if formations change or if Joby wants to take a look at them. Dunno, I think Joby's probably having played with them both and seen what they're like behind the scenes as a player. Um, I guess he probably has already taken a view on something like that. But Thursday the 25th of February, the club held its season card holders Q&A event with the four January signings of Dan Kemp, Nick Freeman, Adam Thompson and Tristan Abrahams joining the broadcast. Also alongside Nigel Travis, Martin Ling and Ross Embleton and I, and I watched most of it I was sort of doing other bits and pieces I wasn't sort of fully focused on it the first half an hour of this uh, was with the four new signings and Luke uh, was fielding questions that had come in uh, from fans so there was a few questions being fired at, at, at the four new signings and they all came across really really well really positive um, the second half was more really about the sort of more about Ross and, and, and Martin and, and Danny Macklin was also uh, on this call as well. So there was a couple of questions that he was able to field. Um, and I think that there was, you know, a, a lot of questions that were asked. They, they weren't just going for the easy touch questions either. And full credit to Luke um, and uh, Ross and Martin for answering all the questions honestly and candidly. 
you know, a lot of questions, obviously, around the formation, around the fact that Danny Johnson's goal-scoring drought has been sort of, I know he's been injured, but he's not come back in and we're not supplying him and he's isolated. And there's a comparison to other strikers and the amount of shots that they get and their goals to shots ratio versus his. He's got much lower, but he's got a much higher goal return. So lots of interesting questions. It was um, it was a good event. And the second, it was only meant to be an hour. I think it went on for about 40... Uh, an hour and 15 minutes all in all. So that was really good, really good. I don't know that that's been broadcast or put, put out on YouTube. Uh, I haven't checked. Hasn't, no, it hasn't been as of yet. I mean, obviously, a lot of questions being filled into Ross and that one from the sounds of it. I don't know if, if, if it will do, if it's still relevant to be on there. But good to see they've done that. And obviously, Nigel alluded to doing that season ticket yeah. um, event. So good to see. Well done for catching it, Mr. Levy. I was having fun with my two little ones barfing them and colouring in as you do on a Thursday night so let's move in then to Mooney Friday 26th of February another quiet day at the club with no news to report absolutely on Saturday the 27th of February we want to take this chance to wish a very happy 75th birthday to Leighton Orient Supporters Club Chairman Mr David Dodd congratulations to you Dave 75 absolutely hope you had as good a day as you could possibly have um, and look forward to, to cheersing you with a beer in the supporters club at some point in the not too distant future oh, fingers crossed my friend fingers crossed so the youth team were in action yesterday morning they played Cambridge United they lost the game 2-0 so unlucky to the young O's and at 3 o'clock it was time for the main event Tranmere Rovers at home, and as always, before the game, we ran a Twitter poll. We want to find out how you thought the O's would get on in this one. And we had 258 votes in just over 24 hours. So, not bad. Bigger vote tally than previously, with you thinking, well, 19% of you thought the game would be a draw. A massive swing to the last couple of weeks. 26% of you thought the Orient would win. So that's massively down on what it has been previously. With 55% of you thinking that Orient would lose the game. So as always, thank you for your votes. Get involved with us on social media or in Outlook. We always put up a Twitter poll on the Friday morning or the Thursday evening before a Saturday game. So come and get involved have your votes. Well said. And yes, you're right. 258 is a much better number. And just well spotted by you for the Cambridge game. Um, I missed that one, so well picked up. So the team was announced at 2 o'clock. Lawrence Vigarou was in goal, no surprise there. Akinola, Thompson, Happy, Brophy with the back four. Cissé, McEnough, Freeman with a three in midfield with Kemp, Johnson and Wilkinson up top. Sam Sargent was on the bench alongside Joe Woodison, Turley, Clay, Kiprianu, Dayton and Abrahams. Yeah, so that side, the same starting 11. So for the third game running, same starting 11. There were two changes, though, on the bench. As in came Craig Clay and Hector Kipriani. They replaced Josh Coulson and Matt Young. So for me, yeah, I understood that. Probably the right starting 11. And in terms of bringing Hector and Craig back, they both played very little football over the last couple of weeks. So I understood putting them on the bench. So again, I looked at that lineup. Couldn't really complain with that one, to be honest. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I didn't expect the starting eleven to change, given what had happened. And it's the third game in a row we've had this starting lineup. So, always fan of a settled side. Just hope we can get something out of this. Well, let's find out if Absolutely. we did. Then. So, SR Barber, nineteen eighty-six, tweeted us when the team was announced. And I hope I'm wrong, but if things go the same way as the last five or six matches, then Ross will have a lot of questions to answer. Surely both centre midfielders have come straight in. Yeah, there you go. Dan Alton 2590 said clueless. Doesn't have a clue, so just stick with it. 
and hope Tranmere have an off day. Kiprion, who's available, and he still picks Cissé. He's actually taking the mickey out of us now. Uh, you see, that, that, that's just a prime example of someone missing the point that Hector's not played a game. I know he's not been injured, but he's not played for over two weeks now. You can, uh, I think it would have been unfair to necessarily just throw him straight back in. What do you think? Possibly. I mean, it depends on how bad you think Cissé's played, and it depends on how ready Hector is to go. I get, I get both cases, really. I understand why Hector would be on the bench, but the, some people would say Cissé has been absolutely abysmal this season and let Ross Pembleton down massively, if you're being massively harsh, um, which some people have that view, and that's people's uh, uh, prerogatives to have that view. So I, I, get, I, I, I get it, but I disagree with it, but I completely understand it. Orient Fan TV said, could Ross be 90 minutes from losing his job we will see. But if we don't get anything out of the game, surely the board's patience will be running out. I think I said it on last week's pod. I thought these two games, the Bradford and Tramley games, were going to be challenging. I thought Tuesday would be the one where if we lost that, he'd, been, he'd, he'd go. But, you know, what do I know? <laughs> Premonitions. Mike Oakley underscore said, one goal in the last six games and you go with the same 11. Is Ross trolling us? I try not to be too negative, but really... David Barrett, six. Can the same starting eleven have a more positive approach today, please? It's down to Ross, but he's so defensive-minded, I personally doubt it. LDP King said, this, is, this now has nothing to do with formation or personnel selected. This is now down to pure ignorance. Hope it works out for you, Ross. It's almost like the owners have said, please lower the expectations. In hindsight, it's you know the other way around. Please up your expectations. Just about Joe to say that. Yeah. Zero, zero. So I think Ross may be looking at his final 90 minutes. An unchanged team for three games has picked up a measly one point from a possible six. It's the definition of insanity. So again, we're going to yes. cover the game. We're not going to go into grave detail as what we normally do. Everyone listening will know what's happened in this game, but we'll cover it and give our views on the game. And obviously we'll move on to what happened uh, in the day. Yeah, absolutely. So the match got underway in a sunny E10 with the O's looking to get their first win in six games. Take the pressure off Ross against the Tranmere side in the playoff places and the second most informed side in the league. And the first 14 minutes were good. I thought it was a good start to the half. I thought we were playing with more energy, tempo and purpose than we had done in previous games. We're trying to get forward, get crosses into the box, which is something that we've clearly lacked in, in previous games. And Tranmere, I noted, hadn't done anything yet, really. It was a lot quicker tempo. It was good to see. We were using Brophy down the wing a lot more, which was good. And it was down the uh, the west, the Justin Edinburgh side as well, on the muddy pitch. He was getting forward more. Interesting to see Connor on the left-hand side and Kemp on the right-hand side. Obviously, must have been working on that. But yeah, we, we did start. We started well, but you know, let's go and find out how we got on. 18th minutes, great hold-up play from Connor Wilkinson. He passed to Brophy. Drove himself into the box. His shot forced our first corner, which was short. Played to McEnough, who got his cross in. And Adam Thompson sent a diving header just wide of the post. He does like putting his head in Thompson. I'm also that for him. He's a brave lad. He's not a, not afraid to do that, is he? Let's be honest. Usise was dispossessed on the edge of our box on the 24th minute. Tramir eventually got the ball into the box as Jay Spearing's cross found James Vaughan at the back post, who headed towards goal. Lawrence Vigaru looked to have made the save. But the follow-up from Lewis ensured the ball went over the line and Tranmere's first real attack of intent put them 1-0 up. I mean, that was woeful defending. Anyone that's seen the goals back by the time you're listening to this. Cissé didn't get a call. He got caught in possession. So maybe he should have been a bit more aware. But I can't help but think, as a player behind him, you shout 
and give him a shout to say that there's a man coming. We didn't then do enough to stop the cross. Nobody picked up Vaughan. Happy didn't do enough to stop Lewis. In fact, Dan Happy stopped as if he'd been... As, I don't know what. I don't know why he stopped. But as if the ball had gone over the line already, he stopped. But it had... Uh, well, the referee hadn't blown and their man made sure it blooming well did go over the line. It was a bit of a calamity there. Terrible goal. I think CSA will get a lot of... Um criticism but I mean if he gives the ball away and it comes to nothing no, we're not even talking about it but obviously he gives the ball away but it's just really it's shocking defending really I mean you've called out Happy which I completely understand at least Happy's in the shot mate where's Adam Thompson Adam Thompson's not even in the shot <laughs> second centre back's not even in the shot of the yeah. TV mate <laughs> yeah, true. so really disappointing I mean they all seem to stop and let Lewis like, just tap it in after the ball eventually came to him really disappointing there because we looked to be matching Tramere tra- for the yeah. most part but yeah. you know let's go on with the game They're good passing good moving so spearing bring down Connor Wilkinson about 20 yards outside the Tramia penalty area in the 32nd minute Connor took it obviously hit the wall came back to Nick Freeman he had a shot the ball pinged around the box James Brophy won a corner came to nothing I think you had a point to make about three kicks again though didn't yeah, you yeah can we try and work on them in training please lads if any of the first team listen to this can you just like do some extra stuff tomorrow uh, that 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 would be that would be great. Um, Joe B. McEnough went into the referee's book in the 40th minute for a late challenge. That looked like a stamp. That looked a little bit nasty. I know Joe not that kind of player. Uh, but then two minutes of time added on. The referee brought the half to a close with the O's trailing as it was 1-0 at half-time. Just worth pointing out, we mentioned Jay Spearing, James Vaughan. They also brought on David Nugent, all ex-Premier League players. I know they're in the latter stages of their career, but they've all still got quality. Um, let, let's not do Tranmere a complete disservice. You know why, though? They're all old boys who have played for Everton or Liverpool. If you live yes. on Merseyside, it's Everton, Liverpool or Tranmere. So generally, if you still want to play football when you're on the wrong side of 30, you're going Tranmere. Um, <laughs> You know, yeah. and I'm sure they've got other players who fit into that bill as well. I think we didn't mention Connor Wilkinson's effort in the 36 minute where he'd done well and he fired off a shot that may well have been going into the top corner. That the Tranmere defender done well ahead over the bar. But yeah, good point there. And we've seen, you know, how influential Joby is, seen how influential the Arboys are for Tranmere. Houlihan for Cambridge United's having an absolutely amazing season. Yeah. So don't discount the old boys who come in. But yeah, half time was for win. 1-0, disappointing, but at that point you thought, we just need to create a bit more, be a bit braver, and maybe there's something in this game for us. Yeah, but Tranmere have had one effort on our goal and they've scored it. We've had plenty yeah. of the possession, we've controlled large parts of the game. Danny Johnson's had one shot, Wilco's pulled out uh, a couple of efforts, but there's just no killer touch from us. We need a strong second half, and it's really a shame that we get into positions where we now need to score two goals to win a game. Well, if you don't keep a clean sheet, yeah, that's exactly what it's exactly what happens. In so second half got underway, yeah. there were no subs for the O's, but Kemper Wilkerson did swap back to their respective positions. Big penalty shout in forty ninth minute. DJ went down in the box, claiming his shirt had been pulled. Referee wasn't interested. I probably I thought the referee just... there. Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Not yeah. really going to get given. I don't think. I don't know, but I'd favour the striker, So, and I'm probably biased by saying that. But I, I thought, you're grabbing the guy's shirt, you could see he was clearly pulling it. It, it You know, it, it, it should have been a penalty by the book. Connor Wilkinson had a shot in the 50th minute, it was well wide, but in the 55th minute, Tranmere made it 2-0, as Adam Thompson was dispossessed by a sliding tackle from James Vaughan. Again, a striker working really hard, defending from the front, something that we don't do enough of. 
James Vaughan. I think, we, I think we do it, but we just don't do it well enough. So I think we mentioned Jim Hill Matt from Forest Green Rovers, big, big guy, all over the field, completely different from yeah. you know someone like Leango. Danny Johnson does do that, I think, but maybe doesn't have the physicality of a Vaughan or Jim Hill Matt. Not that I would ever criticise Danny Johnson, but yeah. you know, yeah, good point there. Um, James Vaughan fed the ball to Woolery out on the right-hand side. He drove into our box, fired his shot low and hard past Lawrence Vigru into the corner as Tranmere doubled their lead to 2-0. Great finish, to mm. be fair. You can tell he's a confident striker. That was Quest TV said that was his sixth goal in seven games. He could have squared it to Vaughan, who probably would have had a much easier chance, but took mm. it well. Great finish. And at that point, I was thinking... Could be curtains here. I thought if it doesn't get any worse, we may be all right. I thought if it gets worse than this, we could be in serious trouble. Yeah, and for me, that was another Thompson mistake that's led to a goal. He uh, he he was at fault for the uh, for the Bradford penalty. Um, so it's sort of two two rickets in two games. Unfortunately, I don't want to appear overly critical of our new signing because I think there's a lot of good, positive, strong points that he brings. Um, but it's unfortunately when you're at the back and you make a mistake, often it's punished by better players. He did it, he took too long the ball, Vaughan closed him down, got the tackle in, it was a good tackle, uh, to be fair. Unfortunately, it was one that uh, that injured him and uh, in the 56th minute he was substituted, replaced by Hector Kiprianu. Yeah, I think you know everyone felt that was a bit strange because yeah. everyone just presumed early would come on and you saw Hector running on his foot, this is a bit odd, why not yeah. on what was going on there? That was a that was a big big question mark for me. Why you go? Well, we know young... he can play there, though, don't we? Like, we, yeah. we obviously when we interviewed him, we got he made the point of saying he plays centre back for Cyprus under twenty one or under nineteen, so he does play there. Yeah. Obviously, you've got Turley, who's a more physical build, he's more experienced. So, somewhat surprising. I, I I agree with you there on that. one. I'm a bit surprised that with Turley, the more experienced one on the bench, that he didn't go with him as a natural centre back rather than a centre midfielder. But anyway. Um, we then made a double sub three minutes later as Craig Clay and Tristan Abrahams um, replaced Usise and Nick Freeman. I remember Matt Hiscock saying on commentary that the formation had gone to three four three. Yeah, it was, it was obviously Ross obviously thinking about changing it now. No, maybe he knew at this point that he was on borrowed time. Yeah. Things went from bad to worse in the sixty third minute. Tramway had a corner whipped in, and Kieran Morris. Easily beat JB McEnough. Well, we didn't even beat JB McEnough, just ran off, off JB McEnough, unchallenged in the box, diving header, pass bigs, 3 0. And at this point, I was thinking, uh, I was thinking it's going to, it, 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 he can't, he won't stay after this. And just thinking, terrible. But JB McEnough, mate, on the pitch, very under Joby like, I would say. Yeah, that absolutely agree. Didn't even try. Didn't even try to stop him or put him off or even go for the ball. And I made a note as well, I fear this is the end for Ross. We're 3-0 down at home. No win in seven or eight now. It's, it's getting a little bit beyond what people would probably be fine palatable. 65 minutes on the clock then. Morris fouled Wilkinson on the edge of the Tranmere box. Dan Kemp was due to take it, but just before it was taken, he was replaced by Jamie Turley. James Brophy ended up taking the free kick. And with his first touch of the game, Jamie Turley headed past Davies to make it 3-1 and uh, this has brought a spark back to our game now great delivery from James Brophy and superb well done from Jamie Turley fantastic header well done Turley 69th minute great drive from James Brophy forward won a corner corner came in Turley was all over they couldn't deal with Turley at all the training defence he got away from his man 
Low shot, well saved by Davies. I mean, if that had gone in, yeah. who knows what would have happened? It would have been 3-2, and, you know, could Turley done a Lockwood? Who knows? Ah, but, imagine. Yeah, Turley, Turley causing them problems. Imagine the guy that's been in the in, <laughs> in the background for, for all of this season suddenly comes on, grabs a hat-trick, for example, or, or grabs a brace that we then end up with our towels up and going on and getting a third. It, that's not how it happened, obviously. Do you, know, do you know what, though? I'm really happy that he came on and he scored because I didn't want that last memory of Jamie Turley to be that awful sending off against Bristol Rovers the last yeah. time we saw him in an orange shirt. At least if he doesn't play again for the O's. I think, I think he actually might do now, but if he hadn't played again and he would have been remembered for that sending off, it would have been a bit... Um, bit harsh for Turley, so I'm, I'm glad yeah. he got on and done right yesterday. I suspect he might come in for the injured Adam Thompson for Tuesday's yeah. game at Grimsby, and I think that will be a very good... I think Adam might struggle to get the shirt back off, uh, or the place back off Turley. Tunji Ekinola went in the book in the 70th minute, his foul stopped a Tranmere counter-attack, so fair play to him there, I actually applauded him for doing that, took one for the team. Yeah, 73rd minute, shot a goal this time from Tristan, 20 yards out, his shot went through a crowded penalty box, but no trouble for their keeper. I made a note at this point. We're playing a back three of Akinola, Turley and Happy. A midfield four of McEnough out on the right. Clay, Kiprianu and Brophy. And a front three of Abrahams, Danny Johnson and Connor Wilkinson. And it was Connor Wilkinson in the 84th minute. Crossed into the Tranmere box and an unmarked James Brophy's soft header was easily collected by Davies in the Tranmere goal. I thought it was a great missed opportunity there. Yeah, chance to put some pressure on, but we didn't really do that. So six minutes of time were added on. No chances of no. The referee blew his full-time whistle as our poor run of form continued as we fell to a 3-1 defeat at home to high-flying Tranmere. So normally after the game, there's a post-match interview. There wasn't, didn't come over. So at that point, you're thinking, mm, what's going on? what's going on but before we come on to what actually was going on the league table in that defeat meant we slipped down to 14th in the league two that's as low as what we've been for quite a while uh, as we've now um, played 30 I think played 30 uh, won 11 drawn 6 lost 13 39 points and a goal difference of plus 2 so Mr Levy your views on Tranmere and these were written before what eventually came later. Yeah, I wrote these straight after the match. Tranmere didn't look like the second most informed side in the league, but from the three chances that they created, they made them count. They didn't have much of the posse- as much of the possession, but uh, from what I saw, I haven't looked at the stats, but they walked away comfortable victors. I'm pleased Ross made changes early, got the formation changed, finally, but just not good enough individually. Many players off form or lacking confidence or looking disinterested, which is, for me, unprofessional. We switched off at the back twice. We got punished. That's what happens when you have good quality players and form behind them, you know. Um, overall, the game hasn't helped Ross's cause, although there were signs of improvement, despite what may seem like a really heavy defeat. I just I kept it short. short and sweet, really. I just thought bright at the start, but we didn't really do much. Didn't get a response at 1-0 down. And a disaster in the second half. No fight, poor defending. Um, and against a team like Tranmere, they're always going to punish you the form they're in. And we found ourselves 3-0 down. Really disappointing. And um, one that makes Ross's future look very, very insecure. So we're going to mention views that started to come in after Tranmere 
but not after 5.40 on Friday. Gold 9-3-1, so poor performance again. Another disappointment. We didn't deserve anything. Why are teams like Tranmere performing better than us? Dirk Turk said it can't continue. It's not fair on anyone. Polarity MGT said sluggish. As soon as we conceded, we looked brighter in parts, but yet again, the formation system as a whole does not work. Who's happy? Who's and happy should be ashamed of themselves. Thompson had a rare poor game. I think it's time for a change of management. He's had enough chances to change. Luxford C said we mostly played well, but as so often this season, didn't do anything with it. Twelve shots to Tranmere seven, three on target for both, and look at the result. Matty LFC Evans said, I'm not one for someone to be sacked, especially one of our own, but today is the final straw. If Ken and Nigel have any ambition for the club, then they need to make swift changes and get someone who is experienced, spend some more money to get the right man and build again. Magnus Pugna said, rubbish, but not sure Ross will go until the end of the season. Can we afford it? Also, we are technically safe, so is it worth tinkering now? Lots of out of contract in the summer and a chance for a clear out and a rebuild. The joys of being an Orient fan, it's like the 90s all over again. Great shout. Spenno, zero, one, one. It's soft, soft, soft. Ross changed it after 65 minutes of 3-0 down. And we look like world beaters for the next 10 minutes. Then back to same old, same old. Season's over, in my opinion. Or if we lose on Tuesday to Grimsby, relegation threat. I really hope we do not match that 15 games without a win. Rich P242 said, dreadful division and we're not even top half. Players look like they don't care or aren't playing for the manager. It's turned into a shambles very quickly. If Ross stays, I can't see many renewing their contracts, but would anyone care given the way they've played recently? They gives an underscore 89. So it started really well, didn't get the breakthrough and then Cissé decided to give away the ball for the first goal and mm. heads drop. Issues are deeper than this. There's absolutely no place for him in our starting eleven. Trouser Techno said, unfortunately, the match and now the season outcome is as expected. We were beaten, not by a better side, but once again by a better drilled side. We have the top striker in League 2 and we create no opportunities for him. You get nothing playing slow, predictable football. It's a good point. We weren't creating enough for Danny Johnson. Not at all. Not at all. Paul underscore LT2P said, how many times did he change the formation during this game? And Steve Davis got pillaried for it no formation at the end shocking I think enough is enough Ross must go are we safe yeah Wadsey said that's one of the easiest three points Tranmere will get this season yes we play better than previous matches but we gifted them three goals from diabolical defending sadly we stand next to no chance of reaching the playoffs now and the better out of contract players like DJ will be off Charlie underscore Paul said, I've backed and supported Russell since day one, but I'm now at the point where I must admit it would now be best for the club for him to go. Something has to change. We've been poor for a while and he's had time to turn it around. The club need to act to save the season. Vince Howard had the penultimate word on this. He said, play better than we have for quite a while, but to bring on Hector when you have a natural centre-back centre back in Turley is inexcusable and shows that Ross is clutching at straws now. But we got what I was expecting, so at least the results are as predictable as the team. And the final word that came in pre the Ross announcement was from Essex Biz, who said, indefensible, awful goals, might as well rest it, DJ. I think he touched the ball 10 times in the whole game. We need a link between the midfield and the attack. No support for DJ, and I really don't see where we go from here. Tranmere fair play worked their socks off. So let us know if you agree or disagree with any of the tweets that have been read out. We've got a lot more to come 
based on what happened after this. So you can uh, tweet us at Orient Outlook or you can email us at orientoutlook.com. Thank you to everyone who's emailed us. We've had a spate of emails in the last 24 hours. We haven't replied to some of them. If no, not all of them sorry, yet, not yet. It's been too hectic, but they don't go unread and unnoticed. And thanks to everyone who sent an email to us at orientoutlook.com. Also on social media, Orient Outlook Podcast on Facebook and Orient underscore Outlook underscore podcast on Instagram, but there's a lot more to come in this bumper, bumper episode. <laughs> um, Design Cadbury Prediction League, then just to round this off, B Cross 95, Oliver Melman and Orient Boy all correctly predicted the result and get three points, which means the top of the Design Cadbury Prediction League is as follows. Dan Alton is the Lone Ranger at the top on 26 points. Dan Alton 2590 is his Twitter handle. David Landau 17 and Wadsey uh, are on 23 points and O's Fan Basing is on 20 points. So thanks to everyone who sent in their predictions. It does still astonish me that people get the correct ones as regularly as they do. It's amazing. It's amazing stuff. So like we said, those were all tweets that came in pre-half past five. Around the half past five mark, the news we, well, the news we were fearing but expecting came as the club announced they had parted company with Ross Embleton as the O's sit in 14th position in the table following a run of seven games without a win and only four wins in the last 15 matches. Interestingly, the end of the statement said that the club expects to make an imminent announcement regarding a successor. So, Mr Levy, your views on the end of Ross Embleton's reign as so a think, head coach? So, I wasn't... I wasn't aware of this because after the Tranmere game, you did the full time. Um, you did the full time tweet, uh, and I think I just put my phone down. I texted you. I said like I'm. I'm not on social media tonight. I'm at the moment. I just going in the garden with Theo, and we're going to play football in the garden, and just going to do normal stuff. And like I don't know why. I just just mentally I just turned and I just like I'm not doing it tonight. So I'm not going to lie, when I, when I did come in and I, I sort of checked my phone and, and I saw, um, I was genuinely upset. I, I, you know, someone texted me saying, it's gone. I'm like, well, it's gone as in it's not been announced yet or it's been announced. And then I think we had a conversation, didn't we? Um, and you said, yeah, no. You, the, the yeah, con- you said, I mean, you know, I know you found this difficult. I'm, I mean, obviously I'll come on to it with our views. We're, we're very lucky that we have got to know Ross Embleton over the last four years and when you talk to someone and do a podcast with someone in your own house you can quickly build relationships with them and I, I, most most people won't understand that until you've done it so we've sat with Ross you know many a time in hour and outlook podcast hours. hours and we've had Ross at points I remember when he spoke about not wanting the manager's job and before Fletch came in and I think it was the last game that Ross was in charge or maybe Grimsby away he sat in my kitchen and he was getting emotional then and there's been many times when Ross has been emotional um, around us you know and we've obviously seen him win the National League as assistant manager and we've obviously built up um, close connections to Ross and lucky enough I think to call him a friend and mm. I, I think you found this more difficult than what I I've just switched off from it as much as I can, and I'm, I, I, I can take social media, and it doesn't get to me. But I think you found it tough, so you switched off after the defeat, knowing that it was going to be a spate of people's opinions, and you, you know everyone's everyone's right with their opinion. But there was going to be a lot of pressure on Ross after this, and I kind of yeah. did it because I, I thought there could be an imminent announcement, so I stuck it out, and then it came at five forty, and then you got a rumor in 
But by that time, your rumour had come in. It had already been confirmed. And I remember phoning you to say, mate, that's not rumour. Like, it's, it's been announced and it's happened. And I could hear, I could hear, the, I could hear the sadness in your voice, you know, when, when I confirmed it, you know, mm. if that's the right thing to say. Yeah, no, uh, and, and I agree with pretty much everything you said there. I think what, I've, what I'm struggling with at the moment is just, you know, with, with the podcast account, and, and rightly so, it's a fan-based account, so, you know, we retweet stuff that comes directly into us. We don't chime in on conversations and, and find stuff to retweet. You know, we're very fortunate that over the last six or seven years we've built up this reputation, you know, that we are a voice for all fans to share and engage and, and, and discuss. But the, the downside to that is that when things are not good, everything's negative. And I think just over the last couple of months, I think it's just, I've just got to a point with it where like, it's enough now. And I think after, yeah, after the loss where we hadn't played well, I, was, I think the level of frustration in me had got to a point where like, I, I just need to switch off from, from Leighton Orient. It's not bringing me pleasure. So why am I going to give it so much of my energy when I've got a little boy here who wants to play in the garden and play football in the garden with me why would I not want to focus on something more positive so yeah like unlike unlike you like normally I do I switch off I do the podcast and 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 we promote it through through the week but I don't really dwell on what what we've read or what we've discussed and stuff like that I kind of like move on because the week is constantly moving you know the world doesn't stop just because we won lost or draw but yeah I, I was genuinely sad by this um and yeah, I came back, I think I had nearly 200 WhatsApp messages through various different groups. And for me, I think it's a truly sad day, not just for me, as you just said, personally, because our friend has lost his job. But again, we still stayed impartial. I think that's fair uh, and, and right for us to, to, to do. Um, but I think in the history of Leighton Orient as well, he came in at the very beginning, as Nigel said, at the start of the rebuild when he and Kent took over. And he'd been an ever-present, stabilising figure at the club, dealing with things that no other manager has had to deal with and probably won't have to deal with in their entire life. A club that when he joined had nothing other than some bibs, some footballs and a few cones. No senior first-team squad because it was still being built. Change of manager after about four months when Steve Davis left. Then the bereavement of Justin Edinburgh. Then the coronavirus, obviously the just the the, the Fletcher debacle, um, and then the huge challenges that came, has come with with being running a football team in a lockdown, which obviously the other ninety two man ninety one managers have had to deal with as well. But compounded together, he's really not had the easiest of journeys into into his head coach manager role, whatever you want to call it. But football is a results based industry our performances of late haven't been good enough and I guess where there's no signs of change or improvement the club have moved to make changes which I felt were inevitable unfortunately um, a good man has lost his job a man with a family with you know children to feed and someone who cared very very passionately about Leighton Orient and you don't get too many managers who will care as much as he does about the club that employs them and it truly is a sad day in our rebuild and in our history. And I'll always be grateful to Ross for his time and the input into this podcast. His interviews were always thorough and he always had time to chat to us post-match. And I will miss that. So Ross, for me, will always be the third outlooker. Once a no, always a no. Nicely done, my love. Nicely done. I think for me, you know, it's a shame it hasn't worked out. I think... 
maybe he was a victim of his own success in parts by doing so well early on in the season and we all got home thinking, you know, there's no runaway leaders. This is going to be the season where it's going to be not, I wouldn't say easy, but easier than other seasons to get out of the division. But performances have declined at, you know, a rather alarming rate. I think we've sat here and read tweets out and given our own opinions where we think it's gone wrong at points. You know, the 4-3-3 hasn't done him any favours. The style of football didn't do him any favours. Players have let him down at points. Ultimately, Ross Embleton will take the fall for his players, but players like Usise have been not very good, shall we Shall we say politely? Below standard, um, yeah. For, for him, and too many players have. Um, at points, players have let him down, but he's also had bad luck with injuries at points. He lost Danny Johnson, you know, when Danny was going through a red-hot scoring form. He's lost Saturiu. I mean, that Saturiu from last season hasn't reappeared this season. Yeah. Angle's been very disappointing, I would say, even when he's been on the pitch for the most part, when he's not been injured. Um, was he getting the best from his coaching staff? Was he delegating enough to his coaching staff? I don't know. But, you know, Dean Brill, Matt Harrell, Danny Sender, they're regarded very highly by Nigel Travis, who was on the podcast earlier, and from everyone at the club. Was he getting enough out of them? Was he listening to them? Were they listening to him? His post-match interview seemed to be getting a bit weird, I would say. The one against Bradford was, was odd, the way he kind of turned on fans. Um is, was Ross too nice? You know, with Justin, you knew he had that streak in him where you didn't want to cross him. Did Ross have that streak? Was he respected enough by the players? Um, I don't know. It's all questions now you can look back on and and ask. For me, like you, you, you can't forget what he's done, what he's achieved at Leighton Orient. He'll always be synonymous with getting out of the National League, all those pictures of him and Justin together. And that can never be forgotten with Ross... Um, accomplished you know it's been hard to to sit here at times and do this pod as Ross's friend and be critical of him which I think we've done as well as what we can do I think we've done it fairly people might not agree with that but I think we've read out a very balanced view of tweets when we've done that and you know we've we've challenged him and whether he's listened or not I don't know but you're right he's, he's the third outlooker he was the third outlooker when he was assistant manager he's the third outlooker when he was head coach and he's the third manager now, now, sorry, the bad outlook now with whatever he does um, in the future. So I wish him the best of luck um, and I hope the board get the next appointment right, which was obviously written yesterday when I heard the news. So we had loads of views when the news broke about Ross. We've got loads of tweets. So we're going to turn this into a Ross Embleton um, celebration, I guess, because most of the tweets coming in were very complimentary of what he had done and what he had achieved. And we've repeated quite a few people's tweets, which is what we don't normally do on this podcast, but we think, for given the circumstances, it was worth doing. So, Bosey said, never like to see someone lose their job and someone I like from working with him in the community, but I can fully understand this decision from the board. Making this decision now gives us a chance to reignite our playoff push and still plenty of points to play for. James O'Hagan said, wish him nothing but the best in whatever he does going forward, but it was time to move on. I hope he lands on his feet and does well elsewhere. How quickly people who accused him of ruining the club forgot the you-know-who era. Nearly got caught me out with that. Uh, some, <laughs> some fans make me ashamed to follow the same club. I do agree. They're, they're, I said it earlier. Some fans ought to be ashamed of the way they've conducted themselves. Paul Skinner, 88. It's a shame I had to come to this, but it was a necessary step. Thank you, Ross, for the great memories from the National League campaign and for stepping up at a very difficult time in the club's history. 
we will be forever grateful for that. Yeah, absolutely. And ni- these are all nice tweets as well. Les LK52 said, hate anyone losing their job, but it was clear he wasn't up to it. And I think the board must accept some of the blame. It's all about ambition. When you go for an untried novice over experience, you're taking a gamble on top of the gamble they took with Fletcher. One Adam Conway, it's a top, top bloke. He took an impossible position after the greatest modern tragedy in football league history. Thanks and good luck, Ross Embleton. Now do the right thing. Learn from mistakes of the past appointments and get in an experienced head. This squad is good enough. Yeah, Kid Samson said, I was dancing in the streets of Leighton when, when, uh, streets of Leighton when Davis, Brush, Fletcher and the like were sacked. It's the right decision for Ross to go, but I can't bring myself to actively be happy about it. The fact that we appear to have someone lined up makes me concerned that it'll be Calderwood. Don't worry, Kid Samson. No, that's not happened yet, but I think that's a great point about, you know, people understand why it's happened, but no one's actually happy that it's happened. Mm. So good point there. Paul R. Gregory. So Dembleton is a nice guy, but alas, they don't always make good managers. Warnock and Evans, horrible, but successful. I wish Ross luck. Thanks for trying to bridge the Justin gap. Joe Jessner, 16, said, I hope we can, as a fan base, not kick the man when he's down. He wasn't the right manager at the right time for us, but he was assistant during a great season and had the balls to take on the gig in what must have been an extremely difficult environment. I hope he can find a job somewhere that allows him and his family some stability and peace. Whatever you think of his tactics or management, the guy was thrown into the deep end and did his best for the club he loves. Thank you, Ross. Great point there, Joe. Great tweet, Joe. W Smith 125 says it was inevitable, but we should all be truly grateful for everything he's done over the past few years, helping us get back to elite football and guiding us through one of the roughest times for the club ever after losing Justin. Total respect for the man. Paolo 1986 said, not a fan of constantly sacking managers, however, in a very poor run and not creating chances, so I understand it. I hope the vocal minority who, after every draw or defeat, have a Twitter meltdown, give the new manager a chance. Carl Fear one said, it's a shame. I'm not going to lie, I was dreading this day ever since he was appointed manager. Mm. I didn't want a man who clearly loved the club to put himself in a position where he might one day be subject to an exit from the club like this. I wish him all the best for the future. Great, great tweet, Kyle. I absolutely agreed with you as well. Parksy, 1881. He's, he's a hero in my eyes, always will be. He's taken some very harsh criticism, uh, some warranted, but he's remained resolute. I'll always be grateful to you, Ross. Steve, LOFC, so I can't say I get any joy from this, but it is the correct decision. We never really followed up any decent wins or performances. Once at forward, then we take another three back. Starts with footballing principles, which I think was his undoing. Good luck, Ross, and thank you. Yeah, Veggie Jones said, I know we're seven games without a win, but it seems a bit harsh to me. The new owners were supposed to bring a bit of stability after the last regime, but seemed just as knee-jerk as the previous regime when we hit a sticky patch. And unless Sender goes, the new man still won't be able to bring in his own team. Chris Kane, underscore 1992, so took the job in tough circumstances, did well to engage the players and carry on, as it were. Never nice to see someone lose their job, especially not someone who loves the club. All the best to him for the future. Bit of time off and hope he has another crack elsewhere. El Hangel said, wish him well. He'd done a good job, a good enough job with average players. Would like to see an experienced manager. It's unlikely to happen with Martin Ling at the club. Question of ambition now for the owners. How much they're willing to put in and their decisions. Recall Ogie, J&D and Judd ASAP in my opinion. Bogs, Dolex wants a total respect. Guided the club through some very difficult times. A 
big thank you to Ross. Yeah, better late than never, said, have the funny feeling this was going to happen today after the board really went for it in January. Each successive game felt like Groundhog Day. I really like Ross and hope he picks himself up quickly. Meanwhile, we need an experienced manager like, well, Keith Hill. El Coado's a gut for him. He was an honest and genuine guy. I'm hoping he lands on his feet somewhere and does well for himself. Hopefully, this is an end to the constant moaning from some sections of the fan base who didn't give Ross a chance. Yeah, this is a new one for me. Uh, Kaiki Ken Kalu. Sorry if I well mispronounced that. Uh, board had no choice. Obviously, couldn't see Ross getting them promotion within their time frame. Shame he didn't make it or in as a manager. Sure, he'll get plenty of opportunities as a coach. Good luck, Ross. Hope boy, 291, said he took the job on the most difficult of circumstances. I've got nothing but respect for the fella. Wish him the very best for the future. He is Orient, through and through. Dear Stu said, sorry to see Ross go, but the right decision. However, the players need to take some of the responsibility too. Too many substandard performances. I hope Lynn goes as well, but can't see it. Imminent appointment is interesting. Stu's right, there were, as I said earlier, too many substandard performances from some of those players. I think some of them need to have a word with themselves as well. Yeah, absolutely. Orient Electric, 100% correct decision, but certainly feels unlike any other manager I've wanted sacked. I so wanted it to work for us, but we couldn't go on like this. Best of luck, Ross. Wish you nothing but the best. Chef Kemp 1 said, really big shame that Ross has gone. He's an excellent coach and seems like a genuinely nice guy, but sadly, results haven't been going his way and the boardroom has had to make a difficult decision. I wouldn't want their job this evening. Best of luck to Ross in the future. Miller, president, said, hope the fans are happy at getting rid of a true Orient fan. Justin Passes, caretaker boss, Fletcher, COVID. Wouldn't it have been an easy ride for anyone? Hope the board have got a trusted pair of hands and a whole lot of luck, as the O's will need it, to make the playoffs. Yeah, King Laurie said, top bloke that stood up when needed. Now it's done, we should all wish him well. No one should see any joy in this. I can't recall, anyway, out of the seven years of doing the podcast, where a manager's been sacked and everyone is saying good luck. <laughs> oh, thank you. Do okay. you know what I mean? This is yeah. bonkers. Pank P007 to the decent man who picked up the club and it's moved during a low ebb. It's a merciless profession. Good luck, sir. Barkers72 said the right decision made by the board, but I'm not celebrating. An Orient man through and through and a thoroughly decent bloke. He leaves with my best wishes. TXT Revs. I think Martin needs to take a long, hard look at himself and realise it's the end for him too. He backed Ross, pushed him to the job. Now he stood there and watched him get pushed under the bus. The ball needs to make the managerial appointment without Ling. I totally disagree with this. I'm not sure why, Trev, that you think Ross was pushed into this or why he's been pushed under the bus when, to be fair, Ross has been well-backed. He's been backed with transfers. He's been backed with support network in, you know, in the club. Um, so I, I do fundamentally disagree with that, but you're entitled to your opinion. Wheeler Dennis said, Ross is a very nice man and Orient through and through, and there I suspect is the problems. He's too nice. Every fan who wanted him sacked also liked and respected him as a man and a fan, but not as a manager. Really wish him well in the future. Steve Forecast said, we lost a good coach, but someone had to step up, which he did. He leads with enormous credit, and those that have never given him a chance should hold their heads. Yeah, Masters underscore James D said, Ross took over in tragic circumstances that few have never had to work in, let alone a rookie manager. We owe him a great debt of gratitude and for that alone, this is the correct decision, but not one that should be celebrated. Wish Ross all the best for the future. That's a great tweet, James. 
Absolutely. George Nicholas underscore one said, I thank you, Ross, for everything. An absolute gent, hard worker. Big shame it couldn't be the fairy tale many had hoped for, and I wish him all the best. Sadly, as much as I supported him for the last few weeks, his interview showed it was all going downhill. Yeah. Um, Lyndon Orient said, gutted. For me, we're not going up, we're not going down. I would like to have... Would like to see him till the summer. I think Ross has done well in difficult circumstances personally, and he's one of us. Some of the abuse was embarrassing, but I know deep down he's loved at the club. Nigel had why it's a disgraceful decision. We're a better team this season compared to last. Progress has been achieved. How's a squad that finished 17th last year going to make the playoffs on our budget? Too many people associated with the club have unrealistic <coughs> expectations and Ross is the casualty. So those were all tweets and we didn't even use all of them. We, no. we only used like a, quite, a small, quite a small percentage that came into us at Orient Outlook. So thank you to everyone who continues to tweet us at Orient Outlook. It was quite nice, it was nice reading all those tweets out. Like, like I said, lots of thank yous and good lucks, which is rare to see a, man, a, a manager who's been let go get those. But I think we all can appreciate the work that Ross Embleton put into Lathan Orient. So let's move on to Sunday, the 28th of February. And we'll start by saying a happy 28th birthday to the Fox in the Box superstar DJ, Danny Johnson. Yeah, and then later on in the day, around three o'clock, the club announced that the appointment of Joby McEnough as interim manager. They sure did. did. So, Mr. Bearded Legend, let's get your views on Joby. Absolutely. Yeah, not surprised by this. I suspected this might happen, especially after the club's original announcement about parting with Ross. Uh, they said they'd make an announcement imminently. Um, at risk of stating the obvious, he hasn't got the managerial or coaching experience, but as Nigel has said, he's played at the highest level under some brilliant managers. So hopefully he'll get our season back on track and time will tell if this is a good appointment. And of course, I wish him and the team every success and I'll be backing him uh, as I feel is is right. You know, I think it's the right thing to do to get behind him and the team. Absolutely. I mean, prior... To recording this, I was unsure. I'll be honest. I, the whole root of this has been Ross was inexperienced, couldn't change games, and we've gone to someone who's never managed before. However, listening to Nigel Travis earlier in the podcast, I'm all in. I have to be. I thought Nigel completely changed my perception wow. of the appointment. So, you know, I'm 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 all in with him. He speaks well. He's been captain at plenty of clubs, not just Leighton Orient. He had good contacts in the game. He knows the players, he knows the staff, um, and he's in a strong position to be a success. And I have no doubt if he does well, I think he will get the job full time if we end up getting into the playoffs. Whether we get up or not, I don't know. But if he can get the club into the playoffs, I think he'll stay. But like I said, I was unsure, but listening to Nigel. How can you not be after mm. listening to that? So he swung me, and I commend uh, Nigel Travis for doing that, and I wish Joby McEnough the best of luck. And hopefully one day he'll come on the On Outlook podcast. You never know. You just never know. Um, <laughs> joining us live on the phone now is our podcast sponsor, AJF Plastering. Adam, welcome. Good evening. Thanks for, thanks for waiting for us. We're quite late. It's now half past ten in the evening, so thanks for... Thanks for bearing with us. We've had quite a lot to get through today. Nigel joined us earlier in the show for about 40 minutes. We've just covered 
uh, everybody's views on, on, on Ross's leaving. And we just obviously now, as you've heard, we're now talking about the appointment uh, of Joby McEnough. So your views on Ross? Evening, boys. Hope you're both well. Good, thanks, mate. Evening, uh, Listen, um, I think I think Ross... The Ross situation has been in, been hugely unique from, from the start to the finish. Um, and, and it's such a, such a terrible shame that how it has ended. Um, but make no bones about it. You know, you read online... I've read a few people online really digging Ross out about not being orient through and through or, you know, supporting Chelsea and all this blah, blah, load of old rubbish. You know, when you spend a period of time in any one workplace, um, you grow fondness to it, you know. So Ross has been here through, through, through you know, for his younger days in the youth setup, then in the coaching. And then, you know, he's come back in the rebirth and, he, and he's been an integral part of, um, of late Orient you know, for, for quite a lot of his life. So, so you know, to, for people to question his love for the club, is, you know, is absolutely ludicrous. Uh, on a personal level, um, I only met Ross on a, on, on a few occasions, uh, but on every occasion I met him, he made time to stop, to chat. He made time to talk to me. Um, made a fuss a little Freddie on a few occasions. He met Freddie, and uh, especially when uh, Freddie was mascot, um, went down the ch- change rooms and, and Ross made us really welcome. You know, Ross Ross as a, as a man, Ross as a, as a, well, as a late Orient man, um, can't be forgotten. And I think it's a shame, if I'm honest, the way that he's been treated in social media. I think that um, it's only a small minority of late Orient fans that feel that way. But the, the way that he's, he, he, you know, the way that he's been vindicated on social media, and there are a few that, in all honesty, should hold their heads in shame um, for the way that they've vindicated him. They know who they are, and we don't need to name names because that's not what this is about. Um, but I feel for Ross. But I put in a tweet yesterday: football is football, and people come and go, and that is just football, unfortunately. And was it, was it the right move for all parties? Uh, Unfortunately, and it pains me to say, I think it was. Um, I think that since January, he's been given um, the firepower to go and and propel us up the league. And unfortunately, it's gone the other way. And, um, you know, as Nigel, obviously, I haven't heard what Nigel said in the podcast because, you know, um, it's not live, but I listened to his interview earlier on. And um, Nigel Travis has made it quite clear that, you know, They've given him the tools in January to, to, to have a go at minimum playoffs and fortunately we're not we're not going in that direction. So I don't think the club really had any other choice to be fair. What are your views, Adam, on Joby McEnough's intimate appointment? So I said before you came on, I was unsure, but I've obviously heard the Nigel interview because I was part of it and he's completely <laughs> swung me round. When you hear it, I think you'll be very um, confident and very happy and very positive as a nose fan so what's your what's your opinion on the uh, appointment of Joby's interim manager uh, like yourself I don't think I'm I don't think I'm shocked by it um, just simply because um, again people are saying you know they believe this has been you know this has been set up and it's this is all this is all sort of a 
um, bit of a big conspiracy. I, I just don't see it. I think that, that, you know, they really want to give Ross time and Ross's time has come and it's gone. And they've had to make a quick fire decision. They're not going to be able to, you know, if, let's face it, if, let's say, just for argument's sake, that um, Darren Curry or, or all these names that are being bandied about uh, was announced today, then I think it makes it quite clear that, that this was um, premeditated. It's not been premeditated, so it was obvious that they had to, you know, make a decision to steady the ship. So I pretty much expected it. Although, um, after listening to, you know, the earlier Nigel Travis interview, I don't think this is as short-term as maybe some people may think. And the interim role, obviously, is being tagged to it. But I, I feel that they've got bigger ambitions for Joby McEnough. And, um, and I think it's the right decision in the short-term, um, long-term, only time will tell. So Nigel said to us that the term interim worked well for the club and also for Joby. I think it was something that Joby was very keen to have because if he doesn't enjoy it, he then gets the opportunity to... Um, well, he gets the opportunity to say so. They, uh, Nigel wasn't sure whether or not that meant he rolled, rolled back into coaching or, or, or what the outcome would be after that. Um, but but likewise, it suits the club as well because if they don't see it working, then then there's obviously options that they have uh, open to them as well. So it kind of seems like it suits all parties, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and if this doesn't work out, you know, um, again, there's a lot of criticism online about um, the old pals act. People seem to be calling it. This was always going to happen for the short term. But I am, I am in quite strong belief that if, um, you know, Joe's going to be given to the end of the season, unless, you know, God forbid we lose the next five to six, seven games and they may have to make it, you know, they may have to change that sort of thought process. But if, um, if at the end of the season it's, it's not worked out for, for, for all parties, and, and that's a good thing that they're giving Joby the choice as well. You know, a lot of people are saying that they feel that Ross was forced into to, to the role uh, whether that's true or not, only Ross maybe one day might come out and um, sort of give his side of the story. But Joby's not been forced into the role, he's taken the role and he's also been given the chance at the end of the season to say, yes, this is for me or no, it's not. But if it's not for him, I'm in strong belief that a completely fresh outlook and um, you know way forward is the only way for us. I think a completely new management setup. Um is, is really the only way this is going to work. But again, only time will tell. Great stuff, great stuff. I, I think I'll ask you one more thing, Adam. Nigel Travis is on the YouTube site and on tonight's podcast said, we want playoffs, we want promotion, we want to get out of this division. Do you think the squad is capable of delivering that or do you still think we're underweight in some areas? Um, that's a bit of a tough question to answer because I could there's two sides of it for me I mean on paper the players that we've got are good enough um, they are good enough there's some play, there's some real fantastic players there and the players that we've picked up in January are great there are some dead wood as I would you know it's not a nice term but there are some dead wood but there is every club every club's got dead wood not not any one club has got 25. Um, squad players that can walk into the squad at any well I'd be shocked if there is in the lower leagues anyway maybe in the top leagues but I think um, 
I think potentially we could get in the playoffs, potentially, but unfortunately, because of now this big shift and uh, and, and what's gone on, this sort of negativity around the club, it is. It's going to take an almighty push. The, the players that are there are good enough, absolutely. But, but you know, going back to what sort of um, I was eyeing at at the start of the conversation, that it's not just the players and it's not just the coaches. And although we could, you know, it's, it's the club as a collective, we all need to get behind this now. Um, even though we can't be there as fans making a noise, getting behind the team, you know, um, everybody reads social media the players the, the, the coaches the managers the, the, the board of directors they all read it and I just think what's happened's happened um, and the only way we're going to get into the playoffs now is if everyone just gives it a bit of a rest and, and gets behind uh, Joby and, and the team Joby's the guy Joby's the man um, and, and, and we need to get behind him and, and also have faith in the, in the ownership of this club you know even today again I've seen people questioning the ownership I just hmm. I just find it flabbergasting that, that some of our fan base are are questioning you know the owners of this football club I think every owner makes a mistake not all owners can be perfect but Jesus these guys have literally they've scooped us up from the death and they're trying to put things in place to make us a great club, although we've always been a great club in our eyes, but they want to, they want to put us on the map and make us a great club. Yes, what happens on the football pitch dictates a lot of a lot of you know where that goes. But as a fan base now, I think we're needed more than ever. Even though we can't be in the ground, if the players and the staff can see on social media that the fans are behind them, that also gives them that little boost. We may not be there, but it will give them that little boost. And I think there's fan base now. We all just need to club together now, stop bickering uh, and get behind Joby and the boys. Great point. Well made. Great yeah, point. Well great made. stuff. Adam Francis, the fourth outlooker, the king of AJF class <laughs> You speak sense, my friend. Do you want to give him just to put it... Just to put it out there as well, um, Ross Embleton will always receive 15% discount from AJF. <laughs> <laughs> 15% honorary discount for Ross Embleton. <laughs> Ross Amazing. Thanks a lot, boys. Thanks, Adam. Take care. Take care. Stay safe. You too. Um, so thanks so for our podcast Adam sponsor, Francis. Adam Francis. Yeah, brilliant stuff. Um, 15% off offer. <laughs> Um, so Adam's tweet actually for what he tweeted in is actually the first one in so to all those that wanted a man that had played 600 plus games I would say Joby McEnough qualifies now instead of squabbling amongst ourselves it's time as a fan base to get behind Joby and the boys there's still plenty of points to play for sure is Paul Redrum said obviously Joby is not really ready for management but all the players respect him that's a plus he comes across as a clever guy who knows his football inside out has worked with a lot of managers over the years and knows what the fans want to see from their team John W999 said, Pleased to see Joe be appointed. Some, I think, will have instant respect from the players. Whilst it remains to be seen if he's going, if he's a long-term option, I hope the fans will get behind him and give him the full backing until the end of the season. Rob underscore Boundback said, Hope he concentrates on the job in hand and gives up all his media work he does on the side. I mean, I can't see him doing much media work while he's interim manager, I've got no. to be honest. I'd be, I'd be surprised if you see him do media work, like when Orient playing but there you go I don't see that Paul Ravens 39 said it just seems pointless Travis said we need continuity but that's the last thing we want surely a coach and captain under Embleton isn't progress I just don't understand the logic 
I do get I do get why people just had tweeted that at the time. I wonder if any news will be changed after they after they've heard the Nigel Travis interview. Billy Carroll GB says a disgraceful appointment, quite frankly. Disappointed and underwhelmed. Safe to say we can write off our season now. Mark Ross six seven one eight five oh eight two. I love the guy, but he's also captain the last seven. Nigel asking a guy who's never managed to give us promotion. What planet is he on? Steve Chaplin Force is interesting. His title is manager and not head coach. Pretty certain Joby has the desire and drive to succeed, and I wish him good luck. Playing devil's advocate, though, what happens if we lose the next three games? Gary Talbot, seven. You have to remember we are closed off to a lot of candidates because of a director of football and existing coaching staff, which puts off candidates. As I've said in Lingy's own case, this worked in 2003 and maybe 2021. You gain experience after your appointment. I'm sure we all back Joby 100%. John Band 6306 said, on balance, probably right. I would take two or three weeks to go through an interview process and we would be at least six games gone. To be fair, that's exactly what Nigel said. Yeah. New manager was to know his players and what was his best side. No chance of new signings, so best to assess pre-season I mean, I mean that's a good point like like you know we both said Joby knows the players and he's not stupid he's on social media you know he'll be reading social media he'll know what the fans want to see he'll know where Ross Embleton ultimately fell down and he'll have his own ideas and like Nigel said a two hour interview he would have got across his footballing philosophy what he wants to do so let's see it let, you know, let's see it on Tuesday see what happens absolutely PM31970 said uh, it's interim most clubs appoint on an interim caretaker we were never going to have a new manager in place by Tuesday if it works then fine if he's interim for two or three games then so be it as well or Amit Pius Joby is articulate intelligent a top footballer and a leader as a manager playoffs are very tough ask for someone with no managerial experience I hope the players back him and he shines I'd hate to see his legacy impacted here time will tell Alan AVM1502 said, best man for the job currently around. Rather he had a chance with us to see if he could make a good manager. Any manager is a risk, even if even if the most experienced. Good tweet there. LOFC1978. Not shocked, but just hope he doesn't make the same mistakes as the previous head coach. Interesting to see what he changes on Tuesday, as would be good to see him put his own ideas into practice early on. I wish him all the best. Myelendo, 1950, said the board have made absolutely the right decision. The most exciting managerial appointment since Jimmy Bloomfield was made player manager. Wonder if those complaining saw all the dross on the bookies' lists. That's also a really good point. And I wonder if, if, if Joby is going to be player manager or if he's just interim manager. I would imagine he would he could play, but I reckon he will just manage, I guess, one for Joby to to decide and we'll see on Tuesday finance Kev's he will win a couple of games and get off the job keep the same coaching staff we'll get the same results an experienced manager should have been brought in when Ross said he didn't want the job son of steel said thoughts absolutely overjoyed that's what he's going places that lad I just hope he takes us with him or his feet us totally open minded it's like a trial period for him I hope he's successful be nice to see some entertaining football. Be very interesting now on team selection and tactics. He obviously sold the board a good vision. Now let's see if he can produce it. Yeah, Alpha 2 underscore O underscore Mega said, very happy. I think Joby will do an excellent job uh, for us as long as he's called upon to do it, whether that's a few weeks, a few months or permanently. Very much looking forward to Tuesday's game. Trousers Techno said, not disappointed at all. Joby's a top guy, but we'll need time. Let's see how it goes and wish him the best of luck. 
Yeah, Dave M1812 said expected really, unless we had someone lined up before we sacked Ross and I hope that we are not that type of club. Need somebody in before Tuesday, so Joby the obvious choice. Give him a chance and if it doesn't work out, then line up an option. Marcus Mayner said he's a very impressive individual and has some coaching experience, but I kind of feeling he's not been put in the best position to succeed. Unchanged coaching staff, impatient fans and the board with very high expectations in the very short term worry me. Hope I'm wrong. Steve Diath one said, Joby's shown himself to be a terrific leader as our skipper and appears to have the qualities needed to be a good manager. Time will tell, but I'm pleased we're the club to give him that chance. Paul Skinner, 88, said, he's the right choice as a temporary manager, but I find it concerning that they're not putting feeders out for something permanent, sacking someone for not getting results when you spent a lot and expect more than hiring someone from the same position Ross Kane is. Odd. Rekka Blue App said, would have liked someone from outside to come in, fresh ideas and fresh eyes on the team. Having said that, I think all the coaching staff available, of all the coaching staff available, Joby is the most promising one for the fans due to his leadership, media savvy interviews and playing experience. Dan Alton, 2590, so however long he's got, he deserves a chance and our backing. Sounds like he's been told to go for it by the hierarchy. Will be interesting to say the least. His first starting eleven will tell us a lot about who he rates and who he doesn't amongst his teammates. That's a good shout. That's a really good shout. Ed Jones, nine, yeah, he's gone from a team player to their, but their boss now. And from my own personal experience, that's not an easy move. Ed Jones, 1976, gets the final word on this. He says, love Joby and wish him only the best. But is this really to give us a playoff push? Um, no, no, uh, no loose choice, does well, gets the job. Sorry, no lose choice. Does well, he gets a job badly, and it was only temporary. Worried that the Fletcher fiasco is stopping the board looking further than E10. So thank you to everybody who tw- has tweeted us in. And like I said at the top of the show, like we've just gone over two hours and ten, or coming up to two hours and ten minutes now, and we have read out the most amount of tweets from people <laughs> and given the most amount of views in any podcast that I could ever remember and it does take some beating because there's been a couple um, so thank you genuinely thank you to everybody that continues to engage with us I know my my comments earlier about it all being quite a bit but I think it's just a lot of frustration and pent up frustration that's been uh, that I've let get on top of me but no genuinely appreciate everybody getting in touch with us and uh, and still giving us their views and engaging with what we put out so thank you to everybody and thank you to Steve for for what you've done in putting this together because um, as I said I did take a bit of a break and it probably wasn't the best time to do that so well done to you for putting most of this together uh, for this week so we have a show to put out no where is my life so I think two hours ten you said it was so let's yeah. wrap up this epic epic bad boy so fantasy football update Dave Hayton is top of the Orient Outlook podcast, Fantasy Football League. He's had a Paul Baker in second place. I'm currently in 47th place out of 295 players. The table will update again tomorrow. So go on, check fantasypremier.com, see how you're doing. And if you're not playing in our league, it's probably too late now. But join us next season. So time for positives and negatives of the week. Only one positive this week, Mr. Levy. Yeah, there is. The club haven't wasted any time in appointing an interim manager, which is a real good thing to get that stability. But there's plenty of negatives. Yeah, well, we had three negatives um, listed. So the first one is obviously the loss of Ross Embleton to Leighton. I mean, some people won't see that as a negative. I think we have to here on our podcast towers. The second negative is we lost two games in a week, which was disappointing. And the third negative is we are now 14th in in League Two, so while it was not a disaster, you know, ambitions and the January players who were bought in with, with 
not looking as up to what we want to be doing. So losing gain and weight on the playoff places and our goal difference is now plus two and I think it was plus nine at one point. So lots of negatives um, this week. And Hero of the Week is something that we do, but this week it didn't feel right to do Hero of the Week. So this week we're actually, for the first time ever on an Orient Outlook podcast, I'm not going to give out a Hero of the Week Yep, absolutely. So we're going to move on to next week's fixtures. The world hasn't stopped spinning, which means we must carry on. And we've got another week of Tuesday-Saturday games. First up on Tuesday the 2nd of March, we're travelling up to Yorkshire to Grimsby Town. They lost 1-0 to Harrogate on Saturday. They're currently bottom of League 2. They've lost four and they've won only one of their last five games. And then we've got a long trip down to Exeter on Saturday the 6th of March. And I've done that trip. It is a hell of a trip. Um, we uh, Exeter lost 2-0 away at Crawley Town on Saturday. They had ex-Orient defender Tom Parks sent off. Exeter currently 8th in League 2. They've got two games in hand over 7th placed Bolton though. And Exeter have won 3, drawn 1, lost 1 of their last 5 games. So neither of those are going to be particularly easy for Joby. But jump in at the deep end. Let's see you swim. Yeah. Really, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Exeter doing very well. They yeah. when we played them at our place. I think we drew one all. They were a good team. Obviously, they got Jacob Priest at right back. He conceded a penalty yesterday, and Tom Parks' challenge was absolutely shocking. Definite red, although Tom Parks didn't seem to think it was, which was ridiculous. So, two very hard games. Hopefully, you know, Joby comes in and we see the new manager bounce and we start pushing again for the playoffs, as Nigel said. So, do not forget for the best plastering. And rendering prices around, visit AJF Plastering on Facebook or on Instagram or go to visit Big Ads LOFC on Twitter for all your plastering and your rendering needs. That is absolutely it. So that is it. Thank you very much indeed for joining us for episode 236. If you're still with us at 2 hours and 12 minutes, thank you even more so for sticking with us for this long. It's been two difficult fixtures in a week which saw defeats against the league's top two form sides that has seen Ross Embleton relieved of his duties as the O's slipped down the table in a move that most fans will feel sad about. But football is an unforgiving industry and results weren't where they needed to be with the board's expectations for this season. A decision the board have made with a heavy heart and we sincerely thank Ross for all he's done for our club. It won't be forgotten. Yeah, we now look forward focus on getting points on the board as Joby McEnough manages his first games for the O's this week. Two away fixtures like we said, away to Grimsby on Tuesday and Exeter on Saturday and hopefully this time next week we'll be slightly happier talking about two good performances and some more points on the board yeah. for the mighty O's. If you're listening on iTunes, please subscribe, give our podcast a review. Still no reviews over the last couple of weeks. Very disappointing. We are stuck <laughs> on 91 so please give us a review on iTunes and if you're listening on SoundCloud tune in Stitcher or wherever you listen to your podcast add us to your favourites that way you'll get the podcast on your timeline as soon as they are uploaded we are also on all smart speakers so no excuses out there at all if you've got a new smart speaker for Valentine's Day shout it play on out the podcast it will play our beautiful tones for you if you have an older relative a loved one or an iron chump who you think will like the podcast grab their phone download it for them and pass the pod. A massive, massive thank you to Nigel Travis tonight for yeah. coming on. That can't have been an easy interview. We grilled him for 40 minutes. We hope you found that um, insightful. I thought that was amazing. Him and Kent over the last three weeks have been brilliant on this Absolutely podcast. Never ceases to amaze me, Mr. Levy. 
just what we've achieved and what on you know how well we we've seen to have done that this podcast absolutely and I think it's incredible yeah and it's a testament to the fact that they trust us to come on and, and ask these questions and also they've been on the Orient Hour they've been on the lowdown as well throughout their time so the fact that we've got these fan outlets for the club to come on and give a slightly different version of of events that's not just sort of for the club output is a testament to them as well. So credit to them. Thanks to Adam for joining us briefly earlier as well. We're going to be back with episode number 237 next week. We'll have all the information from the week uh, and uh, all the views that you could ever need. We look forward to hearing from you. And as always, keep calm, have a great week, listen to the Orient Outlook podcast, and we are going to end with a song called Wind of Change. Adios. The future's in the air